Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hello, and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we discuss the culture of 1999 from our position here throughout space and time, uh, and just considering all things at once, pointillist style, like several dots on a painting that make up a larger image. I'm Emily St. James. I am the interlocutor for today. I will be discussing with two of my very good friends. Elements of 1999 that they did not get to in five years of this show because they didn't try hard enough. <laughs> so that's what we're doing today. There's going to be four minutes on the clock for each of these topics. But first, oh, let wow. me introduce my contestants. <laughs> Phil, say hello. Hello, I'm Phil. What do you do on the show? I mean, I'm one of the co-hosts. You're the guest. You're the guest. <laughs> I'm the guest today. My apologies. Great. What's your last name, Phil? It's I'm Felisco. Wonderful. Perfect. And uh, who's my other guest today? Kenny Nybron. I'm just introducing myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're yeah. just introducing yourself. That's how we do it here on Podcast Like It's 1999. Uh, yeah, interloc- interlocutor show. edition. This is crazy. I love this. I'm, I'm, <laughs> Emily, I don't know if I told you this, but I, for about... 15 years i didn't miss an episode of pti it was my favorite show great show of all time and i'm so thrilled to be on the uh podcast like it's 1999 pti edition Um, that you invented (laughs) i love this i have a number of topics uh there there's a four minute timer on all of them it should work we're gonna find out and when the timer goes off i'm gonna tell you fuck you you're done 
Um, but, uh, obviously it's like PTI, you'll get like a chance to finish your thought, but we're going to just move on after that. If it's a topic you don't care about or don't know anything about, you could say pass. The other person can talk if they want to, because, you know, there's, I think I have 22 slides here, so we're not going to, we're not, you know, we don't have to talk about all of them. If you just want to hear what I have to say, you can ask. I may not share because I'm a private person, but, um, you know, uh, that's what we're doing. Are you going to, are you going to stack girl this? Uh, no, because that would be a lot of work for me to do <laughs> simultaneous. But, but I would should... say, I would say if there's something that we say yeah. that's untrue, that you know in the mm-hmm. moment's untrue, maybe stack girl us at the end. Yeah. Is like, it, uh, like you, you got to explain that to me, to me and our listeners as to what that means. Uh, so, uh, you, well, Emily, please. Uh, on, on PTI, one of the, uh, the, the third person on the show is a guy named, or was a guy named Tony Reale. They called him stat boy. And at the end of every episode, because the the mm-hmm. host Tony and and Mike uh, just kind of went on unchecked, mm-hmm. at the end of the show he would come on and say, "You got oh, this wrong, okay. you got that wrong, you got this wrong, you got that wrong." Okay. And I think uh, I, I think if you don't feel like you have to go to Wikipedia, but I feel like if you know you know we got something wrong, I'd, I'd love to know. Uh, great. Uh, I already have corrected Same. Phil. He is not the co-host of this program. <laughs> yeah. it's true. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm going to pull up my uh, first slide. So, Phil, you you never you didn't cover. I have this, no right? idea what what's happening. Great, great. All That's right. good. Okay. So, our first slide says Family Guy, the TV show, which debuted yes. in January 1999. Mm-hmm. I uh, one thing I want to say is I looked on your wiki to see if you have covered any of these topics exclusively. Uh, you've talked about many of them within episodes, but you've never done like a solid block. Great. If I have mistakenly included something you did a whole episode about, just tell me to skip it. Because I believe what? that, that our wiki is is certainly uh, smarter than we are. That means yep. I got it wrong, and I even though I never get things wrong. Anyway, okay. right. Nor, uh, nor does John Burnhill. So Burnhill. <laughs> yeah. So we're good. Uh, Family Guy, the TV show. I'm going to see if my little timer works. There All we right. go. It's counting down, sort of. It's 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 buffering. It's buffering. buffering. So, so let's go yeah. back and forth. Who starts the conversation? You you can take this one away. Okay. <laughs> I can also just chime on my phone. That's so, so there we go. Okay, go three, two. Okay. So okay. what's happening right now? You're talking about Family Guy. Just what? say what I you just think talk about, Family, about Guy. Family Guy. All right, I'll start. I'll start. Here we go. Yes, yeah, so you just talk about Family Guy. Basically. <laughs> Why didn't we cover Family Guy? That's how I want oh, to uh, I okay. want to approach this one. I think we okay. didn't cover Family Guy because I think Seth MacFarlane is a bit of a third rail, uh, a cultural third rail uh, right now. And ultimately, I don't think we really wanted to talk about him that badly, considering TV yeah. was a little outside our purview in that we we got to kind of pick and choose. We did not choose to do Family Guy. However, I will say. I, Kenny Nybart, think Family Guy has been and can be very funny. Mm-hmm. I, Kenny Nybart, think Sex McFarlane has been and can be very funny. I laughed extremely hard at Ted. I thought Ted was a very funny movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, yeah, I think I think Family Guy is. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, look, there's South Park, which is excellent, and The Simpsons, which is excellent. And Futurama, which I think people think is excellent, I don't, but whatever. Uh, but there is Family Guy, which I think is like significantly better than people give it credit for. It's not quite those other shows, but it's not the worst. Phil, yeah. please. I, I mean, 
just speaking for myself, I've not seen a lot of Family Guy episodes. I've probably seen a handful. Um, I, I do think that it's culturally relevant. It certainly was on our our long list of potential TV shows that we, you know, thought about covering. Um, but to, but to your point, Kenny, I don't necessarily know that I uh, wanted to spend that much time talking about Seth MacFarlane. Um, and I, I sort of feel like the most, one of the more interesting things about family guy to me is the fact that it was canceled. And then the box sets were so successful that they were like, actually we should bring this back. That's the only time I've ever heard of that happening. Can you think of another, another one? I mean like that? No, because that was 100% organic there. There've been so many shows that have been brought back over the last 10 years. Uh, Cheers. I'm sorry. uh, Roseanne and Will and Grace and things like that, where I think people are hoping the networks are hoping that there's still an appetite, but it was so obvious because it was not just the box sets. I think it was the comedy central reruns. Sure. Um, And that, that, that really made it clear that there's a still a massive audience. Uh, Why was it canceled? Does anyone know? I'm assuming it was ratings. Yeah. Yeah. Bad (laughs) ratings. I mean, there I think go. also old fashioned it, bad ratings. It it should be said too that I think that like, um, I mean, obviously, Family Guy created all of these spinoffs. It's obviously been an enormous Fox sort of, you know. Oh, oh, I, sorry, no, you're you're continuing. Sorry, I okay. clicked the wrong thing. You have one twenty four left. Oh, all right, okay. one twenty four. Uh, I I think that it's obviously become this enormous kind of. Um, uh, you know, universe that's been built off of this show. Um, I do remember, you know, I've talked about this a bunch, but like this was also, I kind of clump it in with your 24s and your aliases as a working at a video store of big TV shows that we couldn't keep in the store. Interesting. You know, just that people were like, I mean, by people, I mean, mostly um, college bros that really loved Family Guy. Um, And funny. It really it is, is funny. Yeah, it's not an odd funny show. It really yeah. is funny, and there, you know, and it's, it's it was bold. I mean, there's the episode yeah. where Brian tries to, or goes back, and he's supposed to stop nine eleven. That's a good one. That's you <laughs> wow. know, that's good yeah. stuff. Yeah. I mean, my I mean, unfortunately, my you know, it's it's big on TikTok right now, and oh, my son, what? my son gets it, it at least on my son's TikTok, and he gets pushed a lot of Family Guy clips, so he's very familiar with it, and he'll he'll throw them at me. Can every I ask once a in question? I Kenny? think it's pretty funny. Of course. Can I ask you a- a comedy question. I love you. Was this the show that started, or I don't want to say start, but the cutaway? Like th- that feels like its legacy. Uh, well, I mean, when you are, I I don't know the answer to that. If it started the cutaway, but I definitely there were some in when, the Simpsons, but not really, right? Not no no no, no not like this. When yeah, you your had, time is I, up, I, but please finish this thought. The, okay. the last thought was uh, Thirty Rock, one of the great shows of all time, Correct. was obviously very influenced by this show. Yeah. As was How I Met Your Mother. I think those two shows, you know, took that comedy format uh, directly from Family Guy and used it in live action to great effect. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Uh, By the way, uh, I once clicked on a Family Guy clip on YouTube and now all I get are Family Guy clips. The (laughs) algorithm's like, once you get, once you do one, the algorithm's like a pusher. Once you do one, (laughs) doing many. All right. Our next slide is the terms blog and texting were were invented in 1999. Please. Okay. Uh, I'll go first on this, Kenny. Please. Um, I'm surprised about texting only because in 90, in 99, I don't remember having a phone that was capable of texting. 
but I do remember when I first moved to LA, which was in 2005, that was when I started texting. But um, the blog thing makes sense. I think just in terms of like, I don't think that, I don't know when live journal started, but it feels like it was around then. I'm shocked. Um, I'm shocked that both of these numbers. (laughs) I'm shocked that blog was this late and shocked the text was this early. Yeah, I, I, that's that's basically that. I feel the exact same way. I, I I do feel like um, blogging certainly felt like a thing, just because I feel like I, it feels earlier than that. But I guess maybe I'm also sort of conflating it with um, like chat rooms in a weird way. Like I feel like those are sort of a similar thing um, in my brain, for good or bad. The texting thing surprises me. What about you, Kenny? So, well, I I. I... Blogging, blogging, you know, blah, blah, blah. Who cares about blogging? Uh, blog is, you know, blog, blogging is just a thing, right? Yeah. Like, it's yeah. it's just a way to do something we've always done um, in a different medium. I don't, I'm, I'm not, like, so interested in taking with that. I mean, there, you know, there is the idea that the, that the barriers for publishing are way down with a blog. And, you know, people who had never mm-hmm. have been found before are, are, have been found. Um, but it is just a different way to do the same thing we've always done. Texting is like crazy to me yes. that it took off. If you think about it, I think it, it, it uh, you know, it, if you're speaking about progress, it's a step backwards, right? Yep. It, it is, it is, t- it is a step backwards towards something more uh, impersonal. I remember the first text I received. Really? I do. I remember where I was. Was it a you up? It was a you up. It wasn't a you up. It was a. I remember where I was. I was in college. I had a. Uh, I had a. Uh, one of the Nokia phones. You know what I'm talking yep. about. You can yep. play Snake yep. on. Yep. I. I think I knew intellectually texting was a thing. This was about this. This had to be like oh two oh three. Okay. I think I knew intellectually texting was possible because I will admit I think I had gotten some like AT and T texts before that. Right. Okay. I think we all got a few like T's. Yep text from AT&T telling us we, we paid our bill. But I got a text from my uh, my girlfriend from high school. Huh? And it was like, it seemed like it might have even been an accident. Uh, and that no. was a kind of, that was kind of a wild moment. Um, and I think, the, I think it opened something up for me, which is, mm-hmm. you can text anybody at any time. You can't call anybody <laughs> at any time. That's true. In fact, you can only call if you can only call a few people and you can only call them at reasonable hours. But you can text anybody you know yeah. at almost any hour of the day and you are not a psychopath. That is true. I do think also with the advent of like do not disturb and what have you where you're just like, yeah, I'll just I'll see that fucking text when I wake up in the morning or whatever like oh, that sure. def- that definitely adds to it. Texting I I, I just a second what you're saying you in text terms of strangers I'll say that I agree. I fully agree with you that we are uh, regressing from a communication perspective with texting. Um, and and I and there's a, there's a lot of things I like about texting, but I will say that one of the things I don't like about it is tone. It's why we have emojis because I feel like people can't really. I'm okay glean. with emojis. Yeah, I'm fine with it, but it's very strange. It all feels I very. Emo- I think emojis. I think like we just kind of have to accept they're kind of cheesy, which I think we've done it as a culture. And I think they are. I think they're incredibly useful. I agree. I agree. 
to uh, your time is uh, up. Basically, uh, I'm texting my favorite way to communicate. The first test text message I ever sent, I was trying to uh-huh. type some other word, and it sent the word apeses. I don't know what the other <laughs> word was. I certainly remember apeses. Anyway, next slide. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. Oh, this, right. is a, this is a Kenny, if ever there was the one. The death of Joe DiMaggio. Please continue. The death of Joe DiMaggio. Emily, I wonder how we uh, how we wound up with the death of Joe DiMaggio. <laughs> What I mean, what is there to say about Joe DiMaggio that hasn't been said? Uh, I, <laughs> here's what I, I this is so weird. Joe DiMaggio dies. OK, uh, here's here's here, here's not I'll the first ba- death, not the first death. No, no, no. I, no, I, no. I love Joe. deaths. I think that's his, I think that's are great. All right. The Joe DiMaggio notable things. One, the 56 game hitting streak Two, married to Marilyn Monroe. Three, for some reason later in his career, was referred to as Mr. Coffee. I think it's because really? he was a spawn. I think he was a, the, the spokesman for Mr. Coffee Coffee Machines. I love that. Um, I like, the, Joe DiMaggio is such a weird topic. I mean, I think about Joe DiMaggio in terms of, like, it, I, you know, I'm a big baseball boy. Yeah. And Joe DiMaggio, I believe, played with both Babe Ruth and Mickey Mantle. So he kind of oh. kind of bridged. This might be a stack girl situation, but I he, he he bridged those two kind of uh, those two dynasties. And he was in the middle and he didn't really have like those weren't really victorious Yankees teams. He was kind of a he was kind of a uh, a star on his own for those moments. So I think he had like Yogi Berra, Bill Dickey, and Whitey Ford and some other Yankees or whatever. The other aspect of Joe DiMaggio, of course, is that he he married Marilyn Monroe, which is wild because he's not handsome. Uh, and it was always, a, you know, her husbands were the – she had more than two, right? She had three or four. Arthur Miller. Well, Arthur Miller, yes. Arthur Miller and Joe DiMaggio. Those are uh, I know. The two most obvious people to bury Marilyn Monroe, <laughs> but that I, I think, and not mm. to pivot to Marilyn Monroe, but like that's mm. a really interesting part of her legacy too. I agree that she married a not particularly handsome, not particularly glamorous baseball player, mm-hmm. and a nerd. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. a playwright nerd. It like is the, interesting. The, yeah. the playwright of the middle part of the twentieth century. She. People always talk about. I, I I didn't see Blonde. Have you seen Blonde? I saw Blonde. So, yeah, I did. Tell did, me about did Blonde not like, a little bit. Do how was, not like. How was Joe? Uh, I don't even know it? that Joe is portrayed much in it. If I remember correctly, again, that movie is exceedingly long. Um, and at a certain point, I was on my phone while watching it, so I, I sure. can't say that I. Uh, it, it's a pretty distasteful movie. I, I mean, I, I my <clears throat> I know nothing about Joe DiMaggio's career. Um, in fact, I don't. I don't know how he died, either. Um, I think I don't know how he died either. But old man, old he was an old man. Yeah, he was an old guy. If he died um, in if he died in ninety nine, which you know he did, he was old. Uh, he yeah. played in the forty. Yeah, I think he was also a war hero type guy. Played in the forties, fifties, uh, early sixties. So you know, a career ended around forty. I mean, the guy died probably in his late eighties, early nineties, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was was he and forgive me for not knowing this, but he was not Marilyn's husband when she passed. Am I incorrect? No, in he that was an early time? husband. He was, he was an, an early. earlier one. Right. I think yeah, it was yeah. Miller was perhaps maybe her husband when she passed. Not sure about that. Um, I don't I can't speak to it, but yeah, he, was, uh, he does. I mean, truly, he is in my brain synonymous with Marilyn Monroe for good or bad. <laughs> so. That, that that's yeah. all I know about Joe. Emily, what do you think of Joe DiMaggio? What uh, what 
yeah. persuaded you to, to put his death on the list. You know, there's a lot of significant people who died in 99. He just felt to me like he's this weird cultural icon. Like, I, I obviously love baseball, but like he gets name checked and Mrs. Robinson. Like, that's a weird is, thing, too. It's just he's like this two baby boomers. He's like this weird figure of reverence. And I've never sure. quite understood it. Like, obviously, he seems like. He, Miles Teller should play him in a movie. They look very similar. Sure. Can I also uh, just say one other thing about why yes. I think maybe Joe DiMaggio is is a, a great name. Mm-hmm. Great name. Like it's a great, great name. name. Yeah, he had. I, I believe he had two brothers who played them in the majors as well. Oh, interesting. There you go. Moving on to our next slide because yeah. time is up. The interlocutor mm-hmm. says, yep. "Let's see what's next." Uh, uh, all right. Okay. Lil Nas okay. X. He is born. <laughs> sure was um wow he was born in 99 that's pretty crazy so many people i discovered are were born in 1999 and i feel so old yeah this this definitely this does make me feel really old i mean i I, again i i can't um speak too in depth about lil nas x uh I, i will say that i think he's great what music of his, <clears throat> excuse me, what music of his I've heard, I really like. Um, his music video, uh, the one where he like goes to hell is pretty, pretty fucking rad. Um, yeah, I don't, I mean, genuinely, I, I'm not sure <laughs> I can speak that at length about him. I don't even quite know. Uh, I'm assuming that there was a Lil Nas already. And thus he added X to it. Is that is that what happened? I'm, is that true? I don't know. No, there were nine. He's the tenth. Is he the tenth? <laughs> no, I mean Lil Nas X. I don't know. It's just that Lil is a is is a. Oh, well, a that's form common. Of, yeah, it's a form of endearment. There is a yeah. Nas. I, you know, Nas is a famous uh, famous rapper, but I. I don't think that it has anything to do with anything really. Lil Nas X's story is awesome. He fucking was a SoundCloud guy. Like, it's just right, that right, simple. Right, right, right. He just made shit in his room and came up with Old Town Road and got, of all people, Billy Ray Cyrus to sing on it, which was brilliant. He's just, he's a yeah. he's a brilliant mind in terms of, like, totally. uh, how to use the modern internet, social media, you know, culture to get his, uh, his music out there. The fact that his music is really catchy, too, is uh is is exciting he's incredible at twitter mm-hmm. um came out as a very young person which was you know not i mean look in the last like four or five years things have changed so much in the black community in terms of like coming out or whatever but uh not that and not that i you know not not that i speak from from experience but i just you know, the sense i get is lil nas x coming out was a big fucking deal you know like that was I not mean, yeah, something I, that, that that was not something. I mean, Frank Ocean had come out. Why? Well, I, I was going to say Frank Ocean, Ocean came out as bisexual, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, but he yeah. came out. But but Frank's. But the thing about Frank Ocean is Frank Ocean's a singer, and yes. Lil Nas yeah. X is a rapper, mm-hmm. and there is a difference. You know, there mm-hmm. have been you know gay black singers uh, out and open for years and years and years, but a uh, gay black rapper, uh, not really. Right. Yep, yep. There have been a few on the fringes, but at the moment he was more or less like the biggest thing in the country. Now, you know, not that not that it's the same thing or not that he does the same job, but you know, Jared Carmichael comes out. Yeah. And it's a ripple. So, you know, it 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 hardly affected his career. So it's 
things have changed a lot, but I, I do think when Lil Nas X came out, it was a big, big deal. And I mean, I, uh and and not only just out, like out and, and on you know, Front Street, his videos are very homoerotic and yeah. his uh, live performances are homoerotic. And I think, you know, for a lot of young people um in this country, just kind of normalizing it uh has helped massively. I you know, I know my kids don't think too much about uh sexual identity. Yeah. And I do think that things like Lil Nas X kind of coming out and culture accepting it and people kind of moving on and videos like that being normalized are extremely helpful. So I Trailblazer. Totally, totally agree. I uh, I included him because for those reasons and also because, you know, I feel like he and Billie Eilish are kind of the the uh, the icons of that mm-hmm. that era. Obviously, it, it takes a long like, careers about longevity. We'll see if that sticks around. But like. Yeah, he's he's such an icon and such a such a great figure. And you surprisingly, I fact checked that you got very long. <laughs> I was I was expecting like a things I would have to check out, but you know what? Wait, uh, wait, the little, the, the little Nas X, the little Nas X stuff. Yeah, you got very you got very little. Like I I was expecting more. Thank you so <laughs> much right, cool. for being correct. Napster <laughs> is invented. Oh shit! This Let me tell you what I think about Napster. <laughs> All right. First off, Napster is the greatest fucking thing in the world. I'll tell you stories in a second. Um, Napster is truly the greatest fucking thing. The one thing I want to say is, before we talk about Napster, is uh, I love the social network, as everyone knows, so much. But the social network, you know, presenting Sean Parker as the creator of Napster was total fucking bullshit. It was Sean Fanning. Everybody knew it was Sean Fanning. At the time, it was Sean Fanning. It was Sean Fanning, Sean Fanning, Sean Fanning. All right, so just that guy deserves the credit for it or the blame, whatever you want to say. Sean Parker was another guy who was kind of involved, and he and he was absolutely not the creator of Napster. All right, go ahead. I, you know, it's interesting. Um, I, so I was kind of uh, slow on the, um, let's just be honest, stealing music front of things. Sure. Um, I, I, you know, I had friends that were, you know, that had Napster and LimeWire and all that kind of stuff. And um, for reasons that I'm not sure I'd completely understand, uh, I just kind of kept buying CDs for a long time. Morality. Was just like, I, I, <laughs> I, don't, I think it was laziness, quite frankly. I didn't really understand the technology. So I was just sort of like, whatever. Um, but then, you know, eventually I got on the bandwagon probably sometime in the, I want to say like, I don't know, probably late 2000, 2001, something like that. But it is, um, and I think I had LimeWire. I don't actually think that I ever had Napster for what that's worth. Kenny, do you know the answer as to why it's called Napster? Uh, Yeah, it was a nickname that Sean Fanning had. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) He had, he had, he had, he had kind of that, uh, that nappy hair and they called him Napster. That's why it's called Napster. And then all the, then all these companies took the stir as if that's like some tech thing. If it wasn't just some inside joke that he had Northeastern. My, uh, so when people talk about Napster and they talk about like, you know, uh, high, you know, this perfect storm, right? The exact right. Computers were strong enough for people were into music enough. The download speeds were, you know, you were able to download speeds and particularly in college dorms, things like that. I was that kid. Sure. Get to school at 2000, 
music obsessed, also trying to learn about new stuff in the moment, like very fast. You go on a college, you go to college and you meet all these people from all over the country and world who have different music tastes and you want to understand it so fast. Uh, so you're able to download the world at your fingertips. I remember, you know, like things that like idiot and uh, kid a, I downloaded an Napster. Built a spill record that downloaded on Napster. Neil Young had downloaded like all these things that like fucking Leonard Cohen, all these things that like I remember like ingesting my freshman year in college were all through Napster. So it was I, I was there. I was in a college dorm for the one year that this shit was like really were relevant. You also similar to myself. Um, you you'd hit download and then you'd uh, go about your day because it would take yeah, yeah. an entire day to, for yeah. it to download. Wait, let me tell you. Let me tell you the Napster story real fast. Okay. Uh, Okay, so I was also a you know musician. I think that's come out on this podcast here or there. And freshman year, uh, I I had a very small, silly, uh, three man group where it was me singing and two and a guy on uh, guitar and a guy on uh, bongos, and we would download shit in our uh, or, or up or you know record shit in our dorm room and download it to the internet. And like, you know, it's freshman year. No one, you know, wants to be too critical of anybody and everyone wants to be friends and everyone, you know, gets high and gets drunk and play music. So we put it on the internet. We called ourselves free Nelson Mandela after Nelson Mandela had already been freed. Um, So we put it on the internet and any time one of our songs got downloaded, which we, you know, there were covers. I would like reach out. You were able to DM on that. I was able to, I would reach out to the person and be like, how did you hear about us? Like, what is going on here? How did you wind up here? And this girl in Texas was like, I'm friends with your drummer. And I'm like, okay, cool, Jake. And she's like, no, John. I'm like, John? She's like, yeah, John. I don't want to say his last name, but John, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, some dude on the hall was taking credit for Jake Rosenberg's drumming and telling his girl That's in Texas funny. that he was to download this stuff. This is what he's doing in college. That's and kids, That's how I met your mother. Uh, we are... <laughs> Moving on to our next slide, come huh. on, which is Believe oh, wow. by Cher was the number one song in America. It was. Believe. You know, this song was the first time that I can remember um, a voice being manipulated electronically. Oh, true. A lot of that. Uh, so, you know, the, the the way her voice gets sort of like robotic up in the higher registers Um vocoding all that kind of stuff uh it feels like that's one of the the hallmarks of the success of this song <laughs> like i think people were just like really into that i mean listen they're still into it i guess i mean we're still seeing it i guess to some degree um but that's kind of the defining feature of this song for me that and also i remember the music video there was it. It was like a uh, the story of like a basically a girl getting into a club <laughs> is what I've, I have a vague recollection of the storyline being. Uh, and Cher was like some sort of a uh, electronic angel telling this story of some sort. <laughs> that that that's kind of what I remember. Um, yeah, I mean it's a banger. It's a good song. I don't know that I would say it's. I mean, it was the number one charted song in America, but it certainly wasn't my favorite song of of nineteen ninety nine. I feel like when we did our favorite songs, Kenny, that did we talk about this song? I kind of think we might have. I didn't talk about it. <laughs> it wasn't on my we, list, but, but I just I have a big recollection now. of us talking about what charted big in ninety nine when we when we did our episode. But that's yeah. that's. 
Yeah. You probably did. Here's yeah. the thing with with Believe by Share. Sure. Yeah. Share had been uh out of the limelight for a very long time at this point. Oh yeah. Um certainly as a recording artist, right? She had almost become a yeah. a curiosity. Mermaids? Uh, Is that the last like what's that? Music yeah, mermaids? I mean, Musically yeah, feels maybe. like the last time? Yes, and that was almost that was a nostalgia play, and that was like yeah. eight years earlier, right? She's right. doing shoop right. shoop, right? Yeah. Yep. So, yep. like, I, I, I think that this almost like this almost has like a Billy Mac quality to me, <laughs> you know? Uh, like, yeah. But, I, but I, I don't mean to talk ill of Cher. <laughs> What's so crazy about this? I, I think about this all the time. Uh-huh. The, the thing about Cher, believe nineteen ninety nine was the, and I, I, I say this, you know, very much like respectfully mm-hmm. the idea was she was old right yes the idea yes. was you know share was like she like the the polite way of saying it was she had number one hits and she had number one hits in the 60s 70s 80s and 90s yeah uh but that's a polite way of saying she's old yeah she was probably only in her 50s right like she wasn't even old yes like that's she's the thing old. that's crazy about yeah. the way age is looked at now now people in their 50s aren't even considered old which is great i'm almost yeah. you know not that far away and share is still like super relevant maybe even more relevant like after mama mia 2 like she yes. to me at least like i guess the gay community had always kind of you know sainted her but i think after mama mia 2 every they let everyone out on the secret that she is like our high priestess and uh Speaking and of, now of, of that's who she age is, though because yeah. she plays the grandmother in that even though she's only like a few years older than than Meryl, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so it's, it's a little, but I, 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 one other thing that I wanted to talk about real quick, because I think the tease up the success of this song is Ray of Light. Um, that album is amazing. No, that album's a hundred percent. I just I think know, that, and it's not to equate them because I don't, Madonna and Cher are not the same age and this, that, and whatever. But I do think that Madonna at that moment was a little bit like, does anyone care about Madonna still musically? And then that album comes out and it's enormous. And that song is enormous. And it feels like older acts getting into the electronic space was a thing around that time. Yeah. Madonna was amazing in that respect. You know how old she was when she did like Ray of Light? It'll fucking make you want to jump out of building. She was like 40, 40. (laughs) Like Cher was, Cher was 53 when Believe came out. Uh, So she was a child. She yeah. was a child. Yeah. I want to make that clear. Yeah. She was a child oh, in real that's life. Crazy like, that Madonna was in so real life. She was video. a child. Yeah. Madonna was Madonna. I remember when she was on the It List on fucking uh, when they, the whole yeah. the whole Entertainment Weekly magazine It List, yeah. and the whole thing was like Madonna's getting old. She's forty, and I'm like, oh my god, Madonna's forty. She's gonna die soon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and now she's younger than I am, and she yeah, she was incredible. That was the hottest she ever was. One Love nice it. thing about one nice thing about baby boomers clinging to power and inventing a gerontocracy is that they have made everything feel young now. So yes, yes. Uh, you yes. know. All right, we're moving on. Next topic: right. gerontocracy. Uh, the next topic. I hope that's is the next one. All right, here you go. Kenny. Olive, the other oh, reindeer, Lord. a new Christmas special. Uh, that you know what? I, I can do a tight sixty on this if neither. Yeah, let's do it. Let's yeah, let's, let's hear why you yeah. why you put Olive, the other reindeer. On I just feel like I want a Christmas smokes. I wanted to get a movie you hadn't covered, and this isn't technically a movie, but it's listed <laughs> on Wikipedia's movie page. And I knew if I put down Afterlife by Cordiata, you were never going to be able to discuss that. So. Uh, I, you know, I took, I took a swing here. I feel like this is 
un- unjustly forgotten Christmas special. You know, it's a very sweet story. The animation is lovely. It's, uh, you know, a great pun on all of the other reindeer. I don't uh... want to sit here. I don't want to sit here and say, you know, this is like a lost work of art along the lines of like the magnificent Amberson's original cut, <laughs> but that it is not aired every Christmas. is kind of a shame. So I right? just, I just looked up all of the other reindeer. Um, I've never even seen a picture of this reindeer before. And I would also argue Olive doesn't look like a reindeer. She looks like some sort of a dog. Um, is Olive the only, I mean, Olive, excuse me. Are there any, are there any canonically female reindeer? That's interesting. I don't think so. I mean, like I mean, that's Vixen is Vixen you know, has. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but you know, a name, what's in a name, right? Yeah. I yeah. feel like all the reindeer are whatever gender you want them to be. They're all trans icons. Yeah. Um, the, yeah. <laughs> but yes. Just, uh, so have you seen this Christmas special? But anyway, it's been many, if, many if, they're, years. if they're all trans icons, are any of them real trans icons? No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. It's if everyone's special then no one is. That's, That's what right. Brad Bird taught me. That's right. Um the uh no, I, I think that uh yeah, I've it's been many years since I've seen this. It's very charming, it's very cute. I watch a lot of like Christmas specials that time forgot, and a lot of them are very good. It's just that uh Charlie Brown, Rudolph, and Grinch cast yeah. such a long shadow. Um, yeah. And I would say unjustly in the case of Rudolph, I don't think that special is very good. But you know what? The baby boomers rule the world and we all have to listen to them. Yep. So we're moving on well, to the next Grinch. slide. OK, um, we watch we watch the we watch the Grinch ad nauseum in my house. So good. Yeah. So good. Super Smash Brothers, the first in the video game series, is released in early 1999. Do you play Super Ooh. Smash Brothers? Who's your main? <laughs> Uh no no I don't Phil, know you, who they are I oh you don't know anything else I I you know pull up the wiki to see if I get this right okay. but let's see I'm looking up Super Smash there Brothers. are no Super Smash Brothers <laughs> there 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 are no Smash Brothers there there's not there's no Bob Smash and and Leo Smash the the Smash the Smash Brothers game is uh, uh, the the concept of the Smash Brothers game is incredible and I'm not saying the okay. game isn't. But the concept is essentially like, you know, Avengers Endgame. It's like it's like all the great oh, Nintendo characters okay. come together and fight in this one world, this is, in one this game. Is, this is cool. I wish I played It's the game. fucking coolest, man. And like I'm gonna I'm gonna, you know, pivot to all right, so I don't play Super Smash Brothers. Rollins has a little bit. I don't have a main. I think it's adorable that you have like characters like, you know, fucking j- jigglypuff and all these like random characters fighting there with like you know Link and Mac and Lil Mac and all these great characters. I think Super Smash Brothers is 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 wonderful. What I'm very upset about, and Phil knows Phil knows this because I've I've complained yeah. to him, is I'm very upset that that Nintendo hasn't made live action movies since um, Super Bro- Super Mario Brothers and Double Dragon. And that they went and made a cartoon movie, and I'm 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 as upset as the next guy about Chris Pratt. Like we're all upset about Chris Pratt, but I'm way more upset that it's just like a lame old fucking Illumination movie. Like there is a really awesome fucking potential world here that we could you know that that we could do incredible stuff with, and they're like kind of blowing it 
Yeah, I, I mean, I'm. I, we, we have discussed this a little bit, Kenny. I, I mean, the the bummer of it is, I think, is that the Lego Movie, the first one, really kind of set the bar high on what on the potential of what could be done here, metatextually, yeah. making a thing that speaks to adults and to kids and all of that. And it does feel like either a it's too hard and everyone's just too fucking lazy in Hollywood, which is probably the answer. But like, there is a part of me that feels like no one really took that baton and ran with it. It feels like all the illumination stuff is, is relatively safe. Um, I think illumination has this muscle. I would that, that, that. Yes. I don't, I mean, they don't, I mean, listen, I, I'm not suggesting that, that, any, that everyone or anyone can be Lord and Miller, but like, there is a part of me that feels like, um, that was really special and there was something really cool about it. And outside of other Lord and Miller properties, uh, I just don't feel like anyone's really trying to do it. It's it sucks. It's lame. All right. I didn't see the movie. You did. I know the writers uh, very well. Hmm. Chip and can, Dale seems to have done it. Can I uh, break in? Can I break in? Please and say Super Smash Brothers, a game where all the Nintendo characters fight each other. Warner yep. Media has attempted to do its own version of this in the last year, featuring characters like Arya Stark. I've and heard like, that. Like Bugs mm-hmm. Bunny. What media company do you think should make a Super Smash Brothers? Oh, wow. That's a really good question. What media company? <laughs> My answer is King Features Syndicate, the comic strip. Uh, well, does does well, <laughs> wait, is that are, is that would that be like like it's like, like Hagar uh, Beetle Bailey? Yeah, all right, that's what I was asking. Yeah, it's yeah, that's a really who good says question, act like Emily. Kathy? Would Kathy be in that game? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, <laughs> who says act? <laughs> I think that's act. Well, I, can I, I'm adding her to the game. Go ahead, Phil. I think that's yeah. an excellent idea. Does it does it need to be animated? No. I mean the Criterion Collection. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. I love this. We're moving on. Next slide. I actually have a friend who plays Super Smash Brothers semi professionally, and it's really cool. Wow. Um, yes. Uh, here we go. Next slide. A series of unfortunate events. The book series okay. begins with the book A Bad Beginning. So I have not read any of the books, so I can't speak to the books. I'll say this, though. I actually kind of ride for the Jim Carrey movie. Um, I, I And perhaps it's because um, it's the entire Tim Burton production team. So it looks like a Tim Burton movie. And, and I really love the look of that film. Um, and I, I really kind of dug that movie. Um, it actually makes me kind of want to rewatch the movie. But... Um, I watched the pilot of the TV series, which I didn't like as much because I didn't feel like it had the budget to be able to pull off what it wanted to do. Um, and I, and genuinely I found, um, uh, my God, why, uh, why am I drawing a blank on Doogie Howser? Neil name? Patrick Harris. Yeah. Neil Patrick Harris. Uh, I found him just, just very, I did not like his look. I found it very just like unappealing to look at. Um, yeah, I don't know, but I, I, how many books are there in this series, Emily? If I could be, I so believe bold. thirteen. I'm going to okay. double check myself, and I will I will correct myself if I'm wrong. So these were, so this kind of in my brain also is parallel to Harry Potter. They come out relatively close to one another. I know that Harry Potter premieres the first book is in '97 or '98, if I'm not mistaken, um, because the because it's Azkaban that comes out in '99, so it does predate unfortunate events a little bit but it does feel like unfortunate events is like the the goth emo 
uh, child of Harry Potter uh, in terms of trying to sort of play within sort of a magical universe, but it's it's kind of Adam's family esque, which I really think is kind of rad but have you read any of these books kenny have you read them with your kids never i don't read uh certainly don't read these kind of books but um i have seen the movie and a lot of the series because there was a period of time where my kids really liked them and i i was really impressed i really like the movie i think the movie like i'm sure i said this to you at the time phil but like it's the closest to burton a non-burton directed film you know it's not like you know we're it's not like you know Nightmare Before Christmas, but sure. the closest to like Burton that a live action non-Burton film has ever been. It yep. feels like Burton. It looks like Burton. I love the feel of it. I love the actual danger of it. I love the nastiness of it. Yep. It's a dark fucking movie. Really, really dark and genuinely scary. And I really liked it. I thought the series was really good too. Um, I think, you know, I don't have much to say about it. I think that I think these things are really hard to pull off in uh, in our more modern times, I think the fact that CG effects are available to anyone and everyone um, harms a property like this that maybe would have thrived when you had to be, use more practical effects. Um, when the I, I think there's something about the you know, the bar being a little lower, the expectations being a little lower. Like I watched Goonies yesterday, and the Goonies uh, would be in trouble today. You know, the Goonies would be would would struggle today because of the 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 it's not even what's expected. It's just the like the filmmaker having reasonably cost effective effects at their disposal makes you want to use them. But there's no charm to that. Like, you know, at some point data falls down a hole and it's some of the worst effects you'll ever see. But it's it's lovely. You know, (laughs) it's it's lovely and you expect nothing else. So. I think uh, I think it's very hard to pull off what they pulled off with the movie, and I think they I think they do a really really great job. I do too. I, I mean, I, I think that you know the movie I remember was disappointing in terms of the fact that it it only it only made two hundred million dollars, but it cost like one hundred and forty. Um, and I and I remember people thinking this was going to be a new franchise. They thought that you know Jim Carrey was going to be in at least a few of these. And it, it just never came to be. Um, but I remember watching it because when did it? Forgive me. It came out in uh, Jesus. Uh, it came out in yeah. So it came out right before I moved out here. And I remember it just sort of. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it is. It's unfortunate. No pun intended that it didn't hit because I do think that it could have been a really cool franchise. All right. Uh, next slide. Mamma Mia, the stage oh, musical go. debuted. There you go, Kenny. Obviously, if you have thoughts on the, the movie, you can also share. I actually have uh, very few thoughts on the movie and very many thoughts on the stage musical. <laughs> um, I saw this. I saw this three times uh, live. Uh, wow. I saw it twice in London before it even made it to Broadway and once on Broadway. Um, it's it, look, I had. It's funny because I I was in London twice as a younger person, saw it both times. So in like 15, 17, I love musicals. Um, I hate jukebox musicals uh, in theory, right? Almost all jukebox musicals I hate in theory. Uh, but this one I love. And part of it is because I didn't know Abba very well. 
uh, I didn't know ABBA basically at all except for Dancing Queen. So all the music really does feel like it's written for this musical work so perfectly. It's crazy. And the story is so lovely and winning and simple. I was thinking about this this morning. I was thinking about musical like like uh like musicals this morning. Uh how critical it is. And this is going to sound like damning with faint praise, but how critical it is that the story of a stage musical is simple. And how critical it is that the story of a stage musical uh kind of ends on not necessarily a happy note, but a def- but a, but a definitive note. You can't really do nuance on a stage musical. No, I mean, occasionally you can. And I, you know, defer to, you know, Sondheim and, and Bob Fosse. I think they both, you know, did that. I think there are other people who do that. But for the most part, the, the great American musicals, and I, mommy is not American, but the great American musicals, the great Broadway musicals are simple. They're pre, they're basically just song delivery devices. And I, I, I do. I love the music in this. I love the story in this. I think it's totally winning. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, this, this did not debut on this. Did, did, no. This didn't. No. All right. So this, I, I think this was definitely on the West End in the like mid nineties, mm-hmm. right? And so yeah, and it just fucking rocks. It's just it's a great thing. And and unfortunately, it did kind of give birth to this scourge of jukebox musicals that aren't real musicals. But this one really fucking plays. Phil, you have well, any thoughts? Yeah. What I do think is interesting is um, I, I, saw, I never saw the stage musical. I saw the movie um, relatively recently. I want to say during the pandemic, uh, I, I watched it. Um, I mean, fucking ABBA, man. Like, it, they're the best. Like, they're, they're, I never thought they were the best. I thought they were a joke before this. Musical. Well, they're just the, I, I, by the best, they I just mean the, I agree. the I agree. hookiest fucking band. It's just like when you put all of those songs together, you're just like, yeah, this is infectious. And it does. I agree with you. It did create Kenny at sort of a scourge of, of, of jukebox musicals, but um, all of these songs together really is just pure joy. Like it, it just, it, it really does make sense why um, it was such a hit musical. And then that the movie was also so successful. Even though I don't think the movie is all that great. I, I do think that the, that I understand boomers loving this and Here's the it thing, just being I- huge. I will say, like, when I was in London at that point in time, the other musical that was sold out constantly was Rent. And Rent was a newer kind of musical, a newer idea with, you know, sure. modern music. And I, I think that, like, this, it, there's something kind of bold about putting an album musical out in the mid-90s because ABBA wasn't cool. And the only place it could live was in the context of a Broadway musical that's, you know, kind of cheese anyway. I think that there is a little bit of of retrofitting this idea that ABBA was cool and this was an obvious play. This was kind of obvious in London, but not for the rest of the world, I don't think, at the time. We're out of time on that. We're moving on to our next slide. Emily, you is... put, put that right in my wheelhouse. John F. Oh, Kennedy boy. Jr. dies in a plane uh... crash. Uh, this, or or did he? This yeah, it's true. Some, it's true. some <laughs> consequences. He's coming. He's coming back, guys, and he's going to support Trump. Um, a a sub theme of this this podcast is that baby boomers have not let go of power, and it has warped <laughs> them in strange ways. Please continue. Uh, you are, you are I, speaking my language. I do remember when this happened um, because it seemed. So, I mean, obviously, it was enormously tragic, and it really just perpetuated this this idea that the kennedys were 
were just cursed. Um, I, you know, it's weirdly one of those things that I've sort of found myself drifting back towards the Wikipedia page from time to time, trying to sort of, well, because I think that I, I think there's also something kind of um, <coughs> not, <coughs> excuse me, not unsolved about it because obviously the plane has been found and, and, and the bodies or what have you, but um, the unresolved. Yeah. Unresolved and almost like Bermuda triangly in terms of just like the actual, like what transpired in that plane and you know, him getting sort of turned around, which does happen with, you know, with instrumentation and what have you. And you sort of get lost in the, um, uh, in the, not in the clouds necessarily, but it was just, it, it is a, there's something kind of fascinatingly tragic about this particular death. Um, I think it also to sort of piggyback on what you were saying, Emily, about boomers, there is something very kind of, um, end of an era to it i think a lot of people had assigned a fair amount of potential political future or whatnot to john f kennedy jr um and for him to die it felt like something kind of died with him um which i think was sort of part of the, the the tragedy of it but kenny i would imagine this was really difficult for people who uh were alive for the kennedy assassination and the rfk assassination i would imagine this is like that that this was a real uh a real gut punch i i watched the documentary they did on this probably like five six years ago um chris cuomo was a big part of it they were very close apparently and christina amanapur was like in their crew or whatever she was a big part of it um I believe essentially the the story about Sean F. Kennedy, which was, you know, kind of a ne'er do well who got it on track. And it was like kind of, you know, he he he, you know, he kind of famously fell the bar twice, I think, and was dating around and was on page six and like couldn't really pull it together and then kind of and then had George magazine, which was an honest effort and kind of failed, but like he kind of did pull us together. He kind of was on that, on that track. Uh, by the time he died, he had married somebody and, you know, then I think everyone was comfortable with that. And, uh, and it is, you know, very, very upsetting. He was also like, you know, devastatingly handsome. I know that doesn't matter much, but it's kind of rare for someone who is kind of, you know, in the spotlight from the beginning to grow up and, and kind of look like a Disney prince the way he did. Um, I think, yeah, I think this is, I think this is an interesting one and a good one to kind of, you know, dwell on a little bit. Uh, this is, you know, this has some Rob Stark vibes to me, you know, like a very, very similar kind of feel where, you know, you kind of were hoping that, 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 that the family had a shot, but, um, but it's just not meant to be. And it's kind of sad that the three of them, um, all died right around the same age. And right as they were kind of getting going and, uh, you know, I know JFK was president, but he was only in his mid forties. It's like really wild. There's also something about him taking his wife with him too, that just sort of, you know what I mean? There's, there's something kind of, it's, it's, it's all just super, super sad. Yeah. Yeah. Don't marry Kennedy. (laughs) Next slide. Yeah. Uh, It's better be something really silly. Kiernan Shipka is born. <laughs> you got Sally Draper thoughts, folks? Kenny. Oh, man. Up. Of course I have Sally Draper thoughts. 
Uh, I love I love Sally Draper. I th- all right. So you know it's interesting. JFK and and Sally Draper back to back. Uh, well, Bobby Draper was recast three times or twice. There were three different there three different Bob three different Bobbies. Yep. Uh, just the only way, only reason I say that is it is so fucking hard to cast a child actor who then is going to have a role in your show at some point. Um, who's going to have to have like have to carry storylines, or at least they're part of a storyline. I think Kiernan Shipka was asked to do some pretty fucking crazy shit because Matt Weiner is a pretty fucking crazy man. I think she was absolutely incredible in that show, and uh, and I I I I I love her. Um, I have questions about her ability to Chloe Grace Moretz herself into a you know adult leading person but uh i don't you know i don't quite think she nailed in sabrina but um i think she's a she i think she is a actress with a ton of potential and uh you know one of the great child performances on tv that i've ever i've ever seen yeah i mean i i second everything that you're saying i i think that she um you know I think the the question ultimately with a sort of off of what you're saying, Kenny, in the sense of like when you cast kids, if they grow into something interesting, then perhaps you start to give them storylines. And I think that's pretty clear that Kiernan Shipka was something and that Sally could be something for the show. Um, And uh, she's amazing. I, I mean, Sally Draper, one of my favorite moments in the show is the final look at the end of season six uh, when they're outside uh, Don's, the house that he grew up in. Um, what she was able to do and convey with a look between her and John Hamm throughout that show, tremendous stuff. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I also second what you're saying, Kenny, in terms of I'm not sure what the future holds for her um, in terms of an adult career. Um, I imagine it's got to be tough right now to be a 20-something you know, young woman in this industry, finding challenging, interesting roles that are also successful. So, I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to put that on her shoulders. But it's hard. It's, it's got to be really hard. Um, and and, and the roles got to. I mean, look, I don't just don't think Sabrina was that good, but like, well, that's part right of the problem. Now, I, I, Sabrina yeah, right, was. I mean, bad. like, yeah. It, yeah, but like, Jenna Ortega just you know gets Wendy in Wednesday and, and you know destroys it. So, destroys it. Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of it is on the role, and you have to be very savvy. And I, I don't know, I would. This isn't this isn't what I do. I don't I don't guide the career of young people. I, yeah, <laughs> please, Emily, please. She's been very good in some horror movies. I think that's a really nice vibe for her to be in because um, she's kind of spooky and ethereal. Like that's where I yes. liked her. Yes, I I yeah. kind of wish it's funny you say that because like she could I, I could have seen her in a bodies bodies bodies. I could see her in a scream movie. Um, I, I do wonder um, if that stuff is in the future for her because I, I agree with you. She does seem um almost otherworldly. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But it is a tough generation of a lot of really great actors in that that group. There really are. I, yeah. 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 Uh we're gonna go on to the next slide because I think we've it. run out of Kieran and Shipka talk. Um, okay. what do we got? Next up is Pluto, the planet, oh. which had been the eighth and no, no longer a planet. At the time it was a planet. <laughs> it had been eighth from the sun. Since the 70s, in 1999, it switches with Neptune. It will continue to be further from the sun than Neptune until the 2300s. We lived through a really amazing time in history when Pluto was the eighth planet from the sun. And I just want to hear more of your thoughts on Pluto. Hi, you know, 
I remember. Wait, wait, just, just, just tell me that again, real fast. So You're Pluto, saying... Pluto was closer to the sun than Neptune until. Wait, wait, what? Pluto, Pluto has Pluto has an its orbit changed. orbit. Which no, means I, I, that, I know that. Yeah. But, but right now it's closer or further. Right now Neptune. it's further. In the in okay, the seventies, so most of our lives closer. it was yeah. closer. Which is crazy to think about. I, I mean, well, which is not the way I was taught. I remember well, when it switched. And it's not a planet anymore. Yeah, whatever. But I, I do remember there's a line on Six Feet Under where Nate says when Pluto I was a kid, Pluto, used, Pluto was still a planet. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think that, like, what, what's the definition of a planet and why doesn't it meet that anymore? Because there are too many other objects in the solar system that are roughly the size of Pluto that we don't call planets. Um, we call them dwarf planets now, and we keep discovering them out beyond Pluto. For instance, okay. the moon okay. is, is you know, like kind of the same size as Pluto. So go ahead. I see. So, okay. So it was more of just a, there, we should start calling all of these things planets if we're going to call Pluto a planet. So they just yeah. demoted Pluto is what you're saying. No, that's bullshit. <laughs> That's bullshit. The moon orbits the Earth. Moons yeah. orbit planets. Pluto orbits the sun. I'm not saying it should be a planet, but I am saying that's bullshit. Well, right, I, now, I, I, think, I think the larger approximate case was like Ceres, the asteroid, is like very large. Yes, you know? I think that. I think that. But Pluto is also very close in size to Mercury. So, you know, they're there. I mean, fuck that a little bit like this is. But I also think like. It's no offense to six feet under who did it probably 18 years ago. It's yeah. like, it's the hackiest fucking shorthand. The like, guy remember when Pluto was a planet. Like we got it guys. We got it. Like, I, I know. Just, like, yeah. I, that's I, like I, the old, is that like the only thing that actually changed in our lives? Like, no, obviously not. So stop using it as shorthand. I remember life before the internet. That. Is that a good joke? I don't know, man. Is that a good <laughs> joke? When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. It it definitely has a vibe of like, I remember when kids played in the streets. yeah, it just yeah, has yeah. this weird no, sure. little. I don't know what it is to me, but it's this weird little like, like 
it almost seems like a piece of obscure trivia that everybody knows sure, that sure, like sure. everybody thinks is like this little obscure thing that only they know when yeah. like it's like this is common knowledge well, like it's, everybody it's like knows the... that it used to be a planet everybody's a little upset about it everybody's a little annoyed with it. like it's a little it's annoying. also it's like the it's like the uh the joke um or the whole like uh it's ironic that everything in Alanis Morissette's ironic isn't ironic or whatever. Like it's one of those sort of jokes that I, I totally hear what you're saying, Kenny, where you're just, just like a, back to like the actual to motion. I know that you were talking <laughs> about switching places with Neptune, which I think is, is interesting in and of itself. Back to the actual to motion. I do think like ultimately it is a, it is just an annoyance. Like it's cause it's, it seems so arbitrary. We went through all the trouble of learning all these planets as a child. You know, I actually, I have a, a planet. I have a planet book. I, this is true. A, a book that I read with my three-year-old Luke uh, about all the planets or the solar system or whatever. And they have a page and a little rhyme for every planet. And the last one is for Neptune and it has Neptune crying as all the other planets are playing with the sun. And the rhyme is like, it used to be planet, not anymore. Like, go shut yourself out the door or something like that. So and I, it's absurd. What a pl- so bad for Pluto now. It, it, it's it. That's what that the vibe I get is like, you know, it's not allowed to play the reindeer games. All right. Yeah. Pluto. All of all of the other planet. Uh, please uh, t- come back for our podcast, Kenny Nybart's podcast, like it's the solar system. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Next next topic, Hannibal. Oh. Book by Thomas Harris has published the Silence of the Lambs sequel. Was published. I feel like this is your wheelhouse, Phil. Yeah, I. So I bought this book. I read this book. I remember it being a big deal. I'm a I'm a very big um, Sounds of the Lambs fan. Uh, I'll say that I had not read any Tom Harris prior to this. Um, and uh, I didn't really like it. Uh, I, that's, I mean, it does feel like the consensus around this book and around this movie was kind of a what the fuck. Like there was a little bit of like, this feels like a cash grab, which it did kind of feel that way. Um, but it also felt oddly sort of um, like uh, Thomas Harris was thumbing his nose at at everyone. <laughs> he was just like, pay me a lot of money to write a book where I'm just kind of going to fuck with you. But I will say that the um, the Hannibal series that, um, uh, oh, my God, Brian, Brian Fuller did. Uh, did a great job of gleaning all of the good shit out of this book and putting it into the series. Like is all the, the Hannibal it, series based on the book, or is it just kind of based on? No, the, the Hannibal series is based on Red Dragon and this book. So it okay. skips Sansa Lambs because it couldn't get the rights to the Clarice Starling character. Right. So it's really about the relationship between Hannibal and. Um, forgive me. Will. What was that? Will. 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 Will Graham. Yeah. So what oh, they do? For so the... is Will Graham in the last one? Is yes. in no. Hannibal? Yes. No. He's not. Well, I mean, well, in the show, he is. I don't. Yeah, in the show, he's no. not in this book. He's... My apologies. But You're right. In, yes, I'm yes. pretty sure, and I, I never saw. I no, no. All right. So wait. So there are four, right? There are four proper movies that were made. Mm-hmm. There are four. Yes. Yes. Well, I mean, but five two, if you, but, there, there's four with Hopkins. Yes. So the Correct. four with Hopkins, and then there's there's uh, there's Hannibal there's Rising. Three with Hopkins, the and then there's Hannibal Rising. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Hannibal Rising and 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 Manhunter. 
and manager is yeah mm-hmm. yeah which is amazing yeah uh which is my favorite um but whatever okay. uh i remember watching hannibal hannibal's julianne moore so hannibal is clarice ridley scott right? joint yes mm-hmm. now i remember watching that in my room in my house as a sophomore in college and mm-hmm. uh uh having no you know like connection with it whatsoever uh-huh. um really love silence of the lambs really love manhunter um really like hannibal lecter as a as a character uh i really like arguing about whether he's a villain or not mm-hmm. um but uh no hannibal the book i i never i you know as i said i don't read books books are for dorks so uh-huh. um the famous I, I, thing about yeah. it is that it ends with Hannibal and Clarice in love. And oh, boo. Off together. And like, it's pr- pretty clearly Thomas Harris saying, fuck you for liking my previous books. Yeah. Did they? It's, it's a, did, yeah. did that happen in the movie too? No. no. Yes, what they, smart. <laughs> what they try that. to do in the movie is uh, not it, it's sort of similar to the, to the Sons of the Lambs relationship, which is that there's clearly some sort of an emotional connection between the two of them. Um, you know whether or not love is actually you know part of it is sort of yet to be determined i do think that the hannibal movie goes farther with that because they do kiss if i'm not mistaken in the hannibal movie do they not yeah but it's like not sexually consensual like it's well yeah she's if i remember she's like handcuffed to something when he does it yeah. Yeah. It's not consensual. That is so yeah, yeah. deeply fucking weird. Yeah. It's really weird. Like, but also, you know, <laughs> it's somewhat fascinating. I think, like, yeah. it, 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 it strikes me as something that wasn't intended when he constructed these characters in the beginning. No. No. And it strikes me, as you said, as a bit of a fuck you. However, if it were intended from the beginning, yeah. I would be intrigued by that premise. Well, I want to say one other quick thing. I know we're out of time here, Emily, but I just want to chime in very quickly and just say, oh my God, I'm sorry. I know, I know, but I'll just say this. Uh, I, I, I agree with what Kenny's saying. And I do feel like part of it was, I mean, Thomas Harris is, is notoriously a, a, a recluse. He is not a person who really kind of engages with really anybody. There's the occasional interview, but like really not much. And I do think that the discourse around that relationship clearly pissed him off and he was just like, fuck this, uh, which yeah. I think is interesting. Anyway. Okay. Next right. topic is everybody's sunscreen. The graduation song is released. I, I would, I would love to do just 30 seconds on at the end, but please go continue. I think, I think I knew that this was something that you, you had a thesis on. I th- a dissertation? Has, yeah, like a dissertation or just, you know, kind of an, a, a relationship with, I w- I'll say. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, this is Baz Luhrmann, right? Yes. That's the end of the story for me. It's <laughs> That's the, almost as weird as Todd Fields creating Big League yeah. Chew, which is the weirdest thing in the world. But the but Baz Luhrmann in the middle of his success, right? This is post Romeo and Juliet, mm-hmm. writes this poem uh song that basically is just advice for how to live your life it's so deeply weird that it became a thing it is so fucking patronizing i wish that baz didn't ex- didn't do this because you know as listeners of the podcast know he's my he's, he's my 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 north star uh all i want to do is be like baz except for that he did this all right phil go ahead i you know it's a 
it's so bizarre that this was a hit. Like this, this like this charted, did it not? We were a mess. We were a mess. (laughs) Like we need, we needed Bass to come on and tell us like, you know, run three miles a day. Yeah. Like it, it, it feels very um uh fucking what is the the uh Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours thing like it it has a kind of this is how you should live your life thing that's just kind it's of like the it's like the books you buy at the register at Barnes and Noble it's just that <laughs> shit it's the thing it's like everything everything i needed to know in life i learned in kindergarten and he yeah. just sets it to some you know some like to a some bare, the kind like of a basic beat the kind of music i go to sleep to you know, basic fucking, <laughs> basic fucking spa music. It's I, he and, did. I don't know who the voice is. I'm sure Emily does, but the, he did pick a good voice. Like that, that's a good voice. Yeah, um, the 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 dad we all wish we had. Sure, it, which I think is important. It, it this is deeply strange. I, I'm I feel weird even calling it a song, but I guess it's a song. But Emily, do you have thoughts on this? I feel like you do. I do. So uh, I feel like everybody's free to wear sunscreen is like this weird, just like collection of early internet, like just like the way that the early internet caused weird shit to collide together. And you just believed all of it. Uh, This is an essay that was written by a columnist for the Chicago Tribune named Mary Schramm, but it was, it became stripped of Mm. all of that. And was turned into this email forward that was attributed to Kurt Vonnegut, of all people. So people were passing around this just like pablum that's just like, well, here are the things that you should know about your life. And they were like, Kurt Vonnegut said this. And you're like, okay, sure. And then Boz Lerman finds it. And like in 1997, he's like, I got to make a club hit out of this. So he like does this version that comes out and just does okay. And then it just gets more and more. And in 1999, it finally charts. It's released in the U.S. It's released in the U.K. And it like becomes this like hit. Um, you know, I have always, I I love this song. It's so bad. Like mm-hmm. I just I just want this song, Kenny. I want you to do when you become Baz Luhrmann. I want you to do your own version. My of this version. Song. That is yeah. what you have to. You have to find some shitty <laughs> email forward. Just yeah, strip yeah. it of I'll context <laughs> and set it to a club beat. I'll just do the I'll just do the QAnon version. But, oh, wait, but Emily, Emily, it also says the graduation song is released. Is that it's, written it, it in was, reference to this? It is. It is. Yeah. I mean, this this song opens with to the members of the class of 1999. Yeah. Is there? It, but uh, was also vitamin C's graduation song? That's 2000. This, year? this is right, the thing right. about the, the late 90s. Yes. There's a new graduation song every year. It's it's time of your life. Oh it's it's everybody's oh, free yeah. to wear sunscreen, and then it's it's uh, graduation By the way. forever. Yeah. There should be one every year, just like th- there's some like weird traditions we don't have. Like we don't have that, like, you know, the the thing that love actually the Bill, Bill Mac, the Billy Mac thing is built on how, you know, whatever is number one of the night of Christmas or some shit that gets a special prime minister prize. I, I wish we had something like that. I wish we had like just just some sticky thing that like, you know, there is a like everybody. Basically, there's a an unspoken you know, competition to write the graduation song every year. That would be so cool. The problem is Taylor Swift would win it every year. She's just, if she feels like she did it. Yeah. My guess is like, not that the top, top people wouldn't do it. Yeah. Uh, 
Our next oh slide, God, Emily's gotta... first celebrity interview is with Jim Neighbors. Discuss. Uh, do you have Jim Neighbors thoughts? Otherwise, no, I'll just tell, but I'll, I'll tell you. But I have Emily. I have Emily James thoughts. <laughs> uh, my first interview with a celebrity was for the Mitchell Daily Republic. I was covering Corn Palace Festival, which was a, a like a week long thing where people came wow. in and performed at the Corn Palace, which is an enormous building decorated entirely in corn. And that's like the claim to fame of the area where I grew up. I was an intern. I was just a tiny child. And they said, hey, interview Jim Neighbors. I called him up and he was like, well, hey, Emily, I'm on my pineapple farm in Hawaii. And I was like, good for you. Uh, Many years later, Jim Neighbors came out as gay. I always thought that was cool. um, You know, that a member of his generation uh, came out as gay. He was, you know, Gomer Pyle, USMC. Uh, But yeah, mostly I just was like, this was weirdly like a start of my career to some degree. Um, I I would love to hear your thoughts either on me or on Jim Neighbors or on your first celebrity encounters. Um, Okay, go ahead, Kenny. No thoughts on Jim Neighbors. I just looked him up. He was Gomer Pyle. Very interesting. (laughs) Um, uh, First celebrity encounter, uh, I think was Magic Johnson that I can remember is very cool. Um. That's it. He's much taller than I thought he would be. Uh, and the um, my thoughts on Emily St. James, I think I've already told her. <coughs> but one of my heroes. And Thank so happy, so happy to be friends with you. Thank you. I I'm remember my when, heroes I, too. I remember when Phil first told me that you were friends and I was like, holy shit. That's <laughs> how I felt at the time. I remember where we were. I swear to God, I remember where we were. We were eating at La Scala. And he said that you guys like had connected on maybe it was Twitter probably and you were getting lunch or something and it turned into a real friendship. And I was really like, wow, you might matter, Phil, because because I thought you were very important, Emily. And now that I know you, you know, I less so, but still. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So my thought, my thoughts on Emily are you are a a, a, a true, a true icon and trailblazer. Uh, in so many ways, and uh, what a great friend! I, I mean, clearly, I agree with everything uh, that Kenny said, um, especially the part where he thinks that I'm important. But I do think that uh, uh, I obviously treasure our friendship, Emily, um, and uh, I'm incredibly excited for our friendship to blossom over uh, the next podcast that that uh, that you're going to sort of, kind of. Uh, uh, part-time host with me which i'm very excited about but um i will say uh that my first celebrity interview it might be my only interview i did an interview of mike sure for the national post in Toronto. i never knew that that's crazy i it was i had to of get all a- people of all people, uh, I needed when I was trying to get my uh, my visa in this country, I needed a uh, press um, and uh, UTA was kind enough um, to set me up on an interview with uh, Mike Sure that I was able to uh, get published in the National Post, which is a, a paper in, in Canada. Um, he was very nice. We talked a lot about the Decemberists uh, and uh, it was it was lovely. But interviews uh, are, are, are a strange thing. I guess I've interviewed people on the podcast. I've had I've had celebrities come on the podcast. Yeah, that was uh, um, my first was yeah. Orlando Jones, who's the first interview, <laughs> celebrity interview we had on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but but more importantly, um, I mean, Emily, you're very good at this. This is like uh, yeah. cl- clearly this was the birth of something very, very special. 
Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we're going to move on to the next slide. I really should have put that one last because you said nice <laughs> things about me. But you know what? We're moving on to Tony Hawk Pro Skater, the first in the video game series. Did you play Did either of you play this? This is the other big series that launches. So that. I don't think it will surprise many of our listeners to know that I'm not really a video game person. Uh, I, I didn't Are play. Are you a ma- skateboarder? <laughs> it would surprise people even more if I was a skateboarder, I think. I, I did, truly me. didn't you didn't you have a chain wallet? No. 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 <laughs> okay. Uh, I uh I played video games pretty passively. Um passively when I was a teenager. And I'd say I play them relatively passively now. I play mostly sports games, but uh I do remember when this game came out. I do remember a lot of friends playing this video game. Uh I can like see it visually like in my head. Um but yeah, I mean Kenny will be able to speak more intelligently about this than I will. But I do. My question to you, Kenny, is when did Tony Hawk become a thing? I don't know, man. I'm like, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I, 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 we are all, but, you know, I'll speak yeah. to myself. I am of the generation that's supposed to care about things. X games. Sure. And I never did. It just never took with me um, for whatever reason. I think that. I think there there was this idea that like ESPN could open up this whole new lane or this whole new you know arena of 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 sports fans who weren't really being surf- serviced by the traditional four sports with this X game thing and maybe it did maybe it didn't it was never of any interest to me and you know, consequently the Tony Hawk video game was of no consequence to me either. I will say I played video games, played a lot of sports video games, primarily, you know, Madden, but the, uh, the, the two video games in college we played ad nauseum uh-huh. were uh, GoldenEye. Of course. Yes. Classic. Yes. Which classic. is just the best. It's just, it's, it's just the, the, the perfect game. Yes. Uh, and, and everybody can kind of speak to how wonderful GoldenEye I, I would... was. I would argue that the video game might have a longer lasting legacy than the movie. And the movie is, I didn't even, I didn't even (laughs) like the movie until I saw, until I played the video game. I thought the movie was like, whatever. And then I was so familiar with the, the, the video game, which is, you know, him so closely to the movie. I found it so fascinating to then go back and watch the movie after having played the video game. So much love that video game. The other one that we played so much for God knows what reason. I don't even know how it came into our lives was Mario Tennis or Super Mario Tennis. Sure. And I don't know if you played it, but... Great. I love that game. Yeah. <laughs> I may be wrong, and you could check me, but I could speak for me personally without question was the first time I ever met Waluigi. And Waluigi has gone on to become appropriately I so... That I've met is tremendous. Well, he has become a cultural icon, as he should have. We yes. knew right away. His Ma- first appearance is in Mario Tennis. There you go. There you go. <laughs> we we knew right away that how like that this was that they they had they had hit on something so beautiful. Yeah. With the with the the name and like, Wario on its own is amazing. Like that's when you knew like Nintendo was like was was you know in it to win it. Sure. Wario, <laughs> fucking evil Mario. But Waluigi, like the 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 laziness of that name is, and the 
purpleness Incredible. and the, and you're you're playing on a character who it's it's the multiplicity thing. You're playing on a character who's already a shitty clone of the original. Like Luigi hardly has a character. Now you're making a Waluigi. He was like Waluigi was was amazing. He had, I mean, what it's so good. I'm gonna say one last thing about Waluigi. <laughs> Mario Wario was called Wario in part because you flip the M and you get a W. Yeah. And he had a W on his hat. Yeah. Waluigi just had an upside down L on his hat. Waluigi's a nutbag. You know? <laughs> Where are you coming from, Waluigi? Like you're like, That's he's, like he's like he's like he's like he's like he's like a Joker impersonator who like does his own makeup. You know, he's he's just he's like a jokey, like a joke. He just got it like instead of uh, go to a costume store, he like wore his dad's old clothes. And he's Waluigi like, Luigi is mom the greatest makeup. name ever, though. It is the laziest, most brilliant name I've ever heard. Well, I always Luigi, said I was he's I always, hilarious. I always said I was not going to say the name of my child publicly, but my child's yeah. name is Waluigi. Uh, <laughs> Uh, um, I I I play I play to I'm not a skateboarder. I play Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Very fun game, like a very fun game. It's worth checking out if you're ever like wanting okay. to. Next slide. This is another Emily likes this. Maybe you don't care about it. The no no no. no I'm Reinhold Messner album by Ben Folds Five. Phil, go for so, it. So Emily reached out. This this was one of the the episodes you, you knew that, this was that oh. yeah because Emily reached out to me. She's like, when are we doing? the Reinhold Messner episode of uh, Pocket Seconds 1999. And it was on my master list, just to be clear. Um, but as, you know, as time ticked by and, and slots evaporated relatively quickly, it became clear that this wasn't going to happen. Um, but I did want to do it, Emily, for what that's worth. I, I think this I think this album is fantastic. Um, I, I would I would argue it's better than uh, their first album. Um, partially, I think you just get the sense that like, what Ben Folds ultimately ends up doing is more of a sort of offshoot of this album. Um, and you're starting to see like where his career is going to go when he goes quote unquote solo. But um, I love this album. I think this album's great. I remember buying this album in 1999. Um, I remember uh, really loving it. Uh, I re-listened to it around the time that you first reached out to me, Emily, and, and said, you know, when are we doing this episode? Just to be like, does this does this album hold up? And it absolutely holds up. Um, love it. Great. Kenny, do you have Ben Fold's thoughts? Nope. Don't know. You don't like Brick? At, no, I was going to say, I'm looking at the uh, at the track listing. I don't know mm. a single song in this album. But of course, I like Army Brick. was this the lead single for what that's worth. I know every word of Brick. What a song. And I, this must be before or after Rocket. This is after Oh, it's before, before yeah. yeah. Rock, before in suburbs, Rock in the Suburbs. Rock in the was, Suburbs was, was released, solo, right? Yeah, it was released September 11th, 2001. So appropriately so. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, so so those that those are kind of my two Ben folds, you know, data points in my life. Sure. Uh, Brick, great song. So I associate. So there were two abortion songs that came out around the same time, if I remember correctly. There was yep. Brick, they, and then there was. They the was coming pipe. twos. What was the Verve Pipes song? Freshman. Called? Great the song. The Freshman. That's it. Uh, those two songs are are linked in my brain as as the the two songs about abortion from the uh, late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, both great songs. But Brick is Brick's. The thing about Brick that I think is hilarious is it is a great song, but nothing on the album sounds like Brick. Uh, that, that entire album is just sort of like jaunty piano pop songs. Uh, and then right in the middle of it is Brick, and the thing was just a fucking huge smash. It's like they're, it's like they're nothing else matters. I, I, <laughs> first of. of all, 
first of all, I strongly disagree. There are several ballads on that album, okay. Okay. Um, but not, Brick is definitely like a a breakout. We tried to make that song our prom theme. The principal was not <laughs> yeah. having it. Um, they're on the uh, podcast like it's 19, on the podcast like it's nineteen ninety nine wiki. Every episode has a quote section. Please, yes. person who does that quote section, put down. They always come in twos. Kenny Nybart on abortion. Um, <laughs> I know. On abortion, <laughs> on abortion songs. C.C. John Barnhill. John Barnhill, please. Songs. This album is. Uh, I, I really, I really do uh, love this album. I think Army's like a great song. I think um, uh, Don't Change Your Plans, Magic. Yes. Uh, yes. Just like it is. Uh, just everything on it is wonderful. Um, I think uh, if you are uh, at all interested in listening to a uh, Ben folds was like a huge formative guy for me. He was like my favorite artist for a while. There's a thing about him where he's like just a tremendous songwriter. Who's also incredibly bitter and a little bit misogynist. And that like yeah. always holds him back. His kid. There's another guy like that. I can think of. <laughs> yeah. Who's that? Rivers Cuomo. Yeah. Very mm-hmm. similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Ben Folds' kid, uh, Gracie Folds, is also a songwriter, and she's mm. fantastic and um, not as bitter and not as misogynist. So, um, you know, uh, I hope she continues to work. Uh, those are my thoughts on uh, Unauthorized Biography of Reinhold Messer. The next slide is a Phil special. I don't think Kenny or, Kenny or I will have anything to say about this. Oh, it boy. is. Yeah, I've never. There's the 1999 <laughs> Ontario general election won by Mike Harris and the Progressive Democratic Party. You are right about that. You, oh, you wow. found a topic I have no thoughts on. I, you know, uh, oh boy, I'm trying to remember. Let me just, I, I need to look up what Mike Harris looks like just for what, because I, wait, I, was this around yes, okay. the time? Now you're, you're not, you're not from Quebec. Was this around the time when Quebec thought about, um, seceding? Oh, they've, th- they've thought they about, think it, about it every times. year. I know, but, yeah, they, but they've they gotten the close. Yeah. They voted on it several there times. There were two, there were two elections or two votes right, that's what about gonna, it. Yeah. And neither of them, neither of them obviously happened. Uh, you know, it's interesting that the, the progressive Democratic Party uh, sounds very um, socialist. And yet I'm not entirely convinced that they they're actually the Tories, which is funny. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, uh, this what, was what are the liberals called. They're called the liberals. Um, but the oh. far liberals are called the NDP, which is the new Democratic Party. Um, so. I, I'll just say what this: the, what, because, what are the what are the conservatives called, or is that are these? The they're, they're called the the PCs, which is the progressive part. I, I agree. It's sure. It's very why confusing. not? I don't. It know. doesn't make name, sense. What's in a name? Uh, it, it doesn't make sense. But I'll just say this because it, this was a, a more consequential election, not the ninety nine one, but just to give just a little bit of context to the Canadian situation in the uh, province of Ontario. Uh, there was a. a the NDP, which is the far left party, actually won uh, the the won an election. I want to say in the mid nineties, if I'm not mistaken. Forgive me if I'm wrong to our listeners. Um, and it was the first time that a far left party had actually this. This is essentially like um, this would be the equivalent of a far left party winning uh, the, the governorship. Party. Yeah, it'd be like the Green Party winning the governorship in the state of fucking California, for lack of a better way of putting it, right? And it was a crazy situation because um, no one that far left had ever won such a prominent seat before. Um, And subsequently, that uh, politician has now moved more to the center and is now a liberal. It just it is just interesting to see that, like, even when Canada 
I know Canada is perceived as a far left country. Uh, we're really not that far left is really ultimately what I'm getting at here. So yeah. that, that was my that's my rant. That's all I got to say about this. I love when this podcast dips into Canadian politics. That's why we included this. We do um, all the time. All the time. Constantly. All the time. Yeah. Next slide. What do we got? Gene Siskel's oh, death. my man. Yeah. Yeah. This is a sad one. I, so I, I'll, I'll just quickly kind of give my thoughts on, on this. You know, I remember, um, and I'm sure you do too, uh, them doing episodes from his hospital bed. Do you remember this vaguely? Like, I feel yeah. like they, they did episodes. He um, called in. He, yeah, he yeah, called he, in. He, he would call yeah. in from his hospital bed, yeah. For Kenny and I and for many people, I feel like Siskel and Ebert were our film critics, right? Because they had the show, which I watched with my parents. Could you imagine it, if anyone else, uh, if, if someone had it, anyone else is their film critic? I so mean, it was like, I, 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 I'm a Malton guy, all right? You know, I've always been, I'm a Malton guy, or what's the... what's? I've what's always the, been a Corliss guy. I've always been a... <laughs> Wait, the what's Kleberman the guy, who, guy with the bow tie and the shallot? I'm a shallot man. <laughs> I'm a shallot man. Yeah. Um, yeah, they just they were they were just a perfect pair, very similar to Kenny and I. Uh a yes. perfect pair. Um that just uh I really do think um I don't know that they even really liked each other that much. <laughs> they loved know. each other. They hated each other, but they loved each other. They loved each other, yeah. yeah. Did you listen to the Siskel and Ebert podcast that The Ringer did? No. How was it? Oh, it's, a, it's fantastic. I gotta, because I gotta listen to it. They, they really did hate each other. There was a big rivalry between them, but they wound up really like only trusting each other, right? Like They were the only ones who got each other by the yeah. end. And Yeah, I, I love both. It has anything to do with the publications they work for as well? Because I feel like the Chicago Sun-Times is like the the hoity-toity paper of no, Chicago, correct? The, no, the opposite. Oh, is it the other way? The Tribune yeah, the, is the... the oh. Tribune is... Oh, okay. well, but, but, so, the, so the Tribune is, you know, uh, the fancier paper, but it's also oh, conservative. Okay. Um, and the Sun-Times is more, you know, it's a tabloid, so it's more like the Daily News, but it's liberal. So, you know, I, I think that they, they both kind of fit the the paper, though I don't think Gene Sisko would be considered a conservative. But... Um, right, right. right. Yeah, no, no. I mean, Ebert was definitely the more hoity-toity of the of the two, mm-hmm. um, and he's definitely our North Star more than Siskel was. But you know, Siskel, like something I always loved about Gene Siskel is his favorite movie of all time is Saturday Night Fever. Like, that's that's lovely and honest it and is. sweet, you know. I, and for, I do for, think that there's less performance with Gene. Like, and I'm not suggesting that Ebert was like putting on a show by any means, but it does feel like Ebert held himself to some sort of a standard where I feel like Gene Siskel was like went with his heart. You know what I mean? It wasn't as though he didn't think about what he was doing, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think I think that, you know, not to contradict you, but the 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 word I the the way I would phrase it is because I think you're right that it's less of a performance. But I also think Siskel is a little less curious. And I I think I, that yes. yeah I think that I think that Ebert went into almost every movie uh, with fewer preconceived notions. You can't go into a movie with no pre- preconceived yeah. notions, but a more open mind. Uh, I could potentially love this movie, and I think there were a lot of movies that had to win Siskel over, and sometimes they just didn't or couldn't. And he was really harsh on a lot of movies that you know are considered classics, but like. You know, he's he also, as you said, he put Babe Pick in the City number one in his last year. He's, yeah. you know, he's not afraid of that. 
I think there's also something to, you know, obviously uh, our listeners know that that um, I and uh, to some degree Emily will be covering 1992 in 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 the future, and I will say that uh, I'm curious to see some of Gene's reviews back then because obviously for our 99 podcast we focused primarily on Ebert, and I think it would be interesting to per- perhaps kind of compare and contrast the two of them because they did see very different, very different uh, uh, perspectives on film. And in 92, when they're really kind of in the thick of it, right? Like that's, that's when I'm watching Siskel and Ebert every week. I think it'll be interesting. Uh, I have always felt that Ebert was the better writer. It's very hard to find Siskel reviews now. Um, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like the Tribune just doesn't have that. um, Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I, uh, uh, one of my favorite Gene Siskel stories is a lot of people got mad at him for going to a Bulls game instead of a, a screening. And I'm like, no, he should just have gone to the Bulls game. Like that was Michael, the Michael Jordan era. Yeah, come Go on. see the Bulls. Come on. We really both love the Bulls. It was a big yeah. part of their lives. Yeah. Okay. All right. Next All slide. Right. Who wants to be a millionaire? Oh, the we did an episode on the this. American yeah. TV show debuts. You did almost did an episode almost, on almost. this. Okay, yeah, because this was very, this was a very important show to me. Like I'm a, I, in America I am, apparently, and <laughs> America, but for me in particular, because I am, if nothing else, I know I've described myself as many things: a musical boy, or a game show boy, or a WWE boy. Um, a baseball boy. Did I already say that? A lot of different boys I've been in my life. Baseball boy. But I am more than anything a game show boy. (laughs) I when I was in kindergarten, I went to kindergarten half day as everybody did, and you switch midway through. And what I was so deeply upset from going to morning kindergarten to the afternoon kindergarten was that I wouldn't be able to watch USA's block of game show reruns. And then my dad said, let me introduce you to The Price is Right. So uh, I this is all very this is this is my wheelhouse. I've watched hundreds of thousands of hours of game shows in my life and to have a and and I'm also a trivia dork to have a primetime game show uh, debut and be like the talk of the country for probably, you know, that that run that ended with the interestingly named John Carpenter winning a million dollars. That first run uh-huh. was amazing. Amazing. The the country, the country was, you know, hanging on every word of just film, but he became a style icon. He wore those, those ties of the same colors as the shirts and everybody started wearing what Regis wore. I think, I, I think mean, who wants insane. to be a millionaire in and of itself is a pretty good show. Uh, I think there are a lot of really good elements. Um, I don't think it moves fast enough. I think, you know, Jeopardy is the platonic ideal of a trivia game show. Well, the problem with it fundamentally in its DNA is those early questions, right? Where you're just like, I got to go through this shit again. Like, yes, I want to get, yes. that's the problem. Yes, the problem. It, it is a problem. And it takes too long. You can like, yes. they, they could have, Rick could run through that stuff, but it's too much of a talk show. But regardless, like it does get, you know, when people get into the, you know, what was it? The, I don't remember the way the 16,000, the 32,000, 64,000, et cetera, et cetera. Like it does get, you know, tense and it's fun. The show that I really, so then there were a lot of knockoffs. If you guys remember the show called Greed and other shows, the one that I, I despise is The Weakest Link. Wow. Why do you hate that? Because The Weakest Link 
is a poorly designed show. It incentivizes people to do poorly. It incentivizes you to not be not play to the best of your ability because you'll get voted because very quickly in the show, people realized, oh, we should just vote off the strongest person because we'll lose to them in the trivia contest at the end. So what's the point of keeping around the strongest person? So you are the the best strategy is to throw the game, which is horrible. Perverse yeah. incentives. And it was, I remember the the woman who runs it, who's like, uh, she's like this little British Judge Judy who's supposed to be mean, started shaming people and saying, have the have the the courage to vote off the weakest link. Shut up. So I do want like, to say real quick here, uh, not to yes. not to interrupt you, but I I, I it, it can't be understated enough how big this show was in ninety nine. Right. Like if We've you look at, about the, that, yeah. at the top rated shows, it's like millionaire in the various slots that it's in. Like it was just absolutely dominating television. Um, it, 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 it really and it did spawn to your point, Kenny, a bunch of I don't want to say knockoffs, but things within a sort of similar milieu to some extent. Um, it's still kind of on. There's a celebrity version of it that uh, that Jimmy Kimmel does periodically, um, which yeah. is kind of fun to watch. Um but yeah, I, I was not. It wasn't my thing. But uh, I, I always thought the fact that it was vaguely serialized was yes, was yes. An interesting aspect to it. Kenny, you had yes. one more thing you wanted to say. Very much used to be that. a game that very much used to be a game show thing, where yeah. they where it would be they would literally like those old shows that were on USA. They would literally stop the game mid game and come back, pick it up the next day wherever they stopped it. Which I always found, I always like you, Emily. I found that charming. I think. I, I think uh, that is actually a really interesting thing. I did. I did try to work in something about WWF wrestling. I could not find just a good event. But if you want to do thirty seconds on the Attitude Era while we switch over, Kenny, go for it. I, well, I've done. I've we done almost so much did a funny. WrestleMania episode. Yeah, it, it, it ultimately became. I'll tell you why I think we didn't do a, a WrestleMania era. <laughs> I, I a WrestleMania uh, episode. episode. I. I think it would have been too embarrassing for me. Ultimately, <laughs> I think that I think that it's like it's it's out of out, people it, we could have brought on for it though. Like we had a bunch of guests. Sure, that yeah. listen, and loaded. You know, listen, you do when it's podcast like it's ninety two. Uh, you come back, Kenny, and Libby will come on, and y'all can is, talk WrestleMania ninety two. Libby was a wrestling fan. Libby loves wrestling. Really? Yeah. To, yeah. to this day, Libby loves wrestling. To the well, I mean, she doesn't watch anymore, but like. I remember like she broke wow. through as a writer because she wrote a piece about how comparing and contrasting RuPaul's drag race and the WWE like that. Like she was into wrestling for a long time. And now, I mean, a I, lot I, of the yeah. greats are we, we, we a lot of the greats are we've had some we've had some of the better wrestling minds. Dave Schilling, Latoya Ferguson yeah. on the podcast. It's true. It's true. Um, but uh, apparently Jen Statsky is a huge fan. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, it, it, you know, look. Yeah, wrestling. I, I am. I am. I the things I grew up watching very much are game shows, baseball, wrestling, MTV. That's like the list. There you go. There you go. All right. All right. This is our actual next slide. Uh, the euro uh, began became a currency on January first, nineteen ninety nine. So the euro, my slide says, it's for real now. Uh, <laughs> tell me, tell me how you feel about the euro I- as currency. So this is this falls into the category. I don't know about you, Kenny, but for me, it falls into the blogging and texting thing where I'm like, I thought the euro happened more recently than 1999. But again, it does I, feel way. It, it's true. The euro has been around 20, 23 <laughs> years. years. That's, that's, that, that 
surprises me. 24 yeah. years? Yeah. It makes me... So here's what the immediate uh, association in my brain between the Euro and Euro Disney. Those are the things that my brain thinks of. Yep. Love Euro Disney. Never been. Um, I've theory. never been to Euro Disney, so I can't speak to it. Uh, yeah, it's it's sort of bizarre that we, um, as a, I guess, as a species, just decided to make a new currency. But then I guess we have crypto now, which I guess is also a new currency. So I guess that's just a thing that that we do from time to time where we're just like, this is money now. You're like, okay, this is money now. (laughs) I don't I I, I wish I had more to say about the euro. I don't have a lot to say about the euro. It seems like it seems like it makes sense to me. What do I know? It seems (laughs) it seems it seems somewhat intelligent to me. Like the whole European Union seems kind of intelligent to me. Like, what do I know? You know, I feel like I'm I feel like I'm I'm going down some trap where if I like tweeted that, like people high and low on the economist spectrum, which has come yelling at me why it's it, it's been a terrible thing or a stupid thing or yeah, why the European Warren has thoughts on it, I'm sure. Yeah. But I'm just like, you know, I don't know. It seems I mean like pretty easy. Like uh, the thing I the thing I will say. Mm. Again, as a trivia a person with a trivia mind and a, and, a, and a bit of a nerd for this stuff, uh-huh. not having like like losing like twenty two world currencies, yes, it kind of sucks. Yeah. You know, just yes. just from the just from the point of view of like it's kind of it's kind of charming to have like French francs and Deutschmarks and all they're gone. Oof. Well, there's it's they're gone. There it also makes me think of I mean Brexit as well right like this idea that like we someone was like let's just fucking break it all up again like there's a part of me that's like it, it it's the equivalent of if tomorrow they got rid of the euro and all of a sudden everyone got their currencies back all of a sudden and you just be like but uh okay i guess i don't know uh, yeah. it's all very strange it's i know that I, I i know that i'm against brexit because all the people i like are against brexit so true sure. brexit but true brexit i'm yeah. No, I, I, I that sounds very glib. Like I know why I'm actually yeah. against Brexit, but um, you know, the, yeah, I guess I, I think I, it feels like the European Union, which is really you know kind of what we're talking about ultimately, yes. why the euro yes. exists, yep. uh, feels like a good and smart thing for that continent. That was, you know, what twenty, twenty seven, thirty, fifty. I have no idea. Uh, separate countries uh, and didn't have that much power separately, and has way more power. Uh, collectively, it's just a union. It's smart. I, a union. I love that Emily has what an has idea. Found, Emily has found categories uh, <laughs> that prove that our knowledge is pretty specific. <laughs> yeah, an inch deep, mile wide, but an inch deep. I can tell. I can tell you're writers and not economists. Yes, but I know that. I know that Emily is pro union. So that's the sure, as far sure, as I can go. Sure. There you go. I am a union gal. Um, mm-hmm. I think Kenny, you should definitely tweet. The EU seems smart to me. Just to see what happens. <laughs> I think people would come after me. I think that, but I don't know why. I don't. I don't know why. Because I. But I also, if I tweeted, I think if I tweeted, Brexit seems smart to me. People yeah. would come after me. Yeah, well, people sure. are just always trying to come after people. Nobody knows that more than you, Emily. No one knows why. Yeah. I can't believe that now it's just like we're talking cancel culture because we talked about the Euro. Yep. Uh, yep. But this <laughs> next one, this next one is our penultimate slide. Okay. Uh, it's a very important topic to me. Mambo number five or all star. You must pick one to discuss. 
please. I, we can only pick one, really. Yeah. I mean, you could yeah. talk about them both if you want. I just like these are the novelty hits of that year to me. You know, the, the, so there's the okay. Go ahead. Go go ahead. ahead. Right, I'm gonna go ahead. Yeah. Uh, the song currently stuck in my head is All Star, <laughs> and not because it's on this list, because it's on. It's in my head. We sing it in my family. It's. I, are you guys? Are you guys? Uh, on TikTok at all? Are you aware yes. of the All Star meme? No, I'm not on, but I'm I'm aware. I thought you were gonna ask if I was aware of TikTok, but I you're am aware, aware of the of meme, right? Where I'm not aware of the so meme, but I'm on TikTok. There, all right, so there's there like when someone falls or something, when some like just imagine someone's like on a rope swing about to go oh, into yeah. a creek, and they and they you start at the beginning, it goes some, well, and they body, go this, and, they, yeah. and they fall. Buddy, once yeah. told me so. All my my five year old knows every word to the song. We just sing it for fun. It's you know what, Smash Mouth has had quite a uh, a roller coaster ride in the culture. <laughs> uh, I think they've come out the other side. The fact that this song, like my kids, don't think of it as like a super novelty song. They think of it as just a song from the you know from nineteen ninety nine. So that's a uh, I, I I. So are you picking th- All Star? I picked All Star. I'm happy to move on to Mambo if you want to. Uh, so I'm picking Mambo. Um, because I fucking hate All Star. <laughs> uh, it is it is a earworm of of the tallest order. It, you can literally just good. say that. It's actually you can good. literally it's just say good. some, and you know what it is, and it and it's in your head for days, and you can't yeah. shake it. Uh, yeah. I really hate it. Um, I I don't particularly like the associations with it either, in the sense that I don't like Shrek all that much. So like, like it also Shrek. brings up Shrek. So it's just like now that being said, Mambo number five, not a great song. Not a bad not a, song. Not a, not a bad not a song. song I don't I, what anyone says. Here's, my, here's my, my recent not Mambo number five uh, anecdote is this. It came on the radio. God knows what radio station I was listening to. And I didn't like immediately think like, oh, this is Mambo number five. I should be like uh, horrified and, and change the channel. In mm. fact, I didn't think anything. My subconscious took over and just started singing along because it's actually a great song. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five. It's good. It's a good song. Here's, I guess, a who bigger deserves better. Here's a question that feeds into this question, Emily uh, and and Kenny. Obviously, I, I do feel like both of these songs are part of a sort of uh, musical culture appropriate appropriation to some degree. Like, I feel like I don't appropriation is not right with Mamba number five. Cause I do think that Lou Bega has the bona fides to be able to sing about the Mamba number five. All star feels a Mamba. little bit, <laughs> feels a little no doubty to me. Like feels a little ska ish. Like there's something kind of odd about it, but, but I feel like both these songs are very much of the moment. Like, I don't think that either of these songs have aged particularly well, despite the fact that all star is, sweeping tiktok they're they're i mean emily started it by saying this they're novelty songs they are novelty. you know i mean you you want to know it's crazy Hmm. every kid knows the fucking macarena that's true the macarena like these like the outside of like you know real classic incredible songs the next songs that survive the apocalypse the generational apocalypse are the novelty songs well yeah they're the cockroaches of music for sure it's crazy (laughs) <laughs> but they really served. They really survived in a way I had no idea. They know every, you know, word. You know what song kids know every word to? Mm. 
Party in the USA. Every word. I mean, that's a good song, though. That's a banger. Also kind of a novelty, but you know. Yeah. I, it's no uh, tub thumping. I it's a great song. I have uh I have I have just three things to say about these. Mama number five, we had a, we had a, an offhand joke in Arden season two about one of the characters performing an acoustic version of this, and then the actress actually performed an acoustic <laughs> version of it for our patrons, and it was That's wonderful. Really That's fantastic. It's wonderful. Um, it's also the first song I ever downloaded on Napster. Uh, oh. because I was like, I I heard it and was like, I like this song. I'm not buying a whole album. <laughs> you know um, what was mine first? that i remember i don't know if it was my first but it's the first that fits this bill was uh i'm like a bird by nelly Furtado. i'm like a bird there you go um my all-star story is that i was so into that song that i bought the cd the day it came out and i was like driving down the street of the largest town in south dakota with my windows rolled down blasting all-star and dancing to it and like a car full of jocks pulled up right next to me (laughs) And they just started laughing and I was like humiliated. And I was like, but I still fucking it still is a bop. This song's a bop. <laughs> even, even the jocks didn't like it. Listen, yeah. before before we go to the last slide, which I think yes. may be a thing you just covered in your last uh, uh, episode. I uh, have written down. I fact checked you. I have done stats, girl. Oh, wow. Um, OK. Family Guy reruns aired on Cartoon Network, not Comedy Central. Live Journal did start literally in 1999. So good job on that. But the first text message was sent in 1992. Oh, wow. uh Joe DiMaggio was the Mr. Coffee spokesman. Uh, he won. Kenny, you said that he was on some pretty bad Yankees teams. He won nine World Series titles. <laughs> so uh, uh, you also said you also said he played in the 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. He retired in 1951. Uh, I checked this. Marilyn Monroe was single when she died. Okay. Um, I think crediting Sean Parker as the inventor of Napster and the social network is a thematic statement. That's not an actual fact check. That's just Emily being critical. Um <laughs> The uh, you were right about the music video for Believe. Uh, Cher released three albums in the '90s, so she was still making music. Um, the Goonies are. You said something about how the Goonies would be in trouble now, meaning as far as CGI effects. Uh, the Goonies would be in trouble now because they're all in their fifties, and as per actuarial tables, they get a little more likely to die every year. Um, <laughs> Phil uh, truly does understand the uh, s- uh, series of unfortunate events series. You literally said when they came out in every particular. Um, Mama Mia. I I I got this wrong. I said Mama Mia had debuted earlier in London in '99. No, 1999 was when it. Did debuted in london okay uh jfk jr is indeed dead i fact checked that for QAnon. um everyone is everyone is i think at some point uh someone said ken hughes said something about uh people being comfortable with a certain heterosexual couple and i wanted to be clear that everyone is generally comfortable with heterosexuality i feel like that's a concept (laughs) our culture uh you said bobby draper was played by four three different actors he was played by four different actors um chloe grace moretz would not be my comparison point for a successful actress in her age bracket she's she's kind of struggling uh you said uh you said neptune must be crying i know this was just a misspeak because it's pluto must be crying yes um let's see reinhold messner was the third Ben Folds Five album. Uh, the first was the self-titled. The second was Whatever and Ever Amen. Uh, Cisco and Lieber <laughs> did come to love each other. The Sun Times is a fucking rag. Uh, when you said you've listened to a, you've watched a hundred thousand hours of game shows. That's roughly eleven years. That's roughly eleven and a half years. I'm just sounds you know, fair. Good for I'm you. Forty. Uh, <laughs> the, the EU was founded in 1993, so it was like actually pretty late for them to be coming up with the currency. Uh, the euro is nothing like crypto. 
Uh, the <laughs> EU does have the EU does have 27 member states. Kenny somehow pulled that out of his ass. And finally, Lou Bega does not have Mambo Bonafides. He's uh, German uh, with Sicilian and Ugandan parents. Um, has okay, no... so I just want to say wow. that was fucking incredible. That was incredible, Emily. Uh, was but really I also want to say my favorite my favorite fact was Joe DiMaggio was in won the World Series nine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I said he was on bad teams. I, I, maybe I did. <laughs> that, that's my favorite. Oh, fuck. Uh, that was actually fun to be doing that on my phone as I was. Oh, that was oh, so good, but, Emily. Uh, what so, have we got? What's the last Final one? slide. Uh, this is a thing that I do think you may have uh, talked about. Second opinions. What do you regret saying on this podcast? Not this episode, but this Whoa. podcast as a whole. And you only have four uh, minutes to be like, I've had second thoughts on on this or this or this. That's a really All right. Question. So I, I, I'll start because... Case. Because we actually talk about this a lot. You're right. I, we didn't just talk about it so much, but we talk about it a lot. Uh, the, I mean, unfortunately, the main one is Go. I wish I wasn't so hard on Go. Uh, I don't know why I was so hard on Go, but I was so hard on Go. I was thinking I was trying to try to say something. So all my apologies to Go people. Um, yeah. Aside from that, you know, one of the hallmarks of this podcast and Phil and I have been saying it from the beginning is we change our opinions and we come out and admit when we were wrong and change our ratings on things and, you know, that that kind of thing. So I I don't regret most of that because I feel like I've already copped to a lot of those things. I feel like I may I've definitely said things about people that I wish I hadn't because they might employ me at some point. Yeah, we had but, to pull an uh, episode at one point. We've had directly. we've had to pull we've had to pull two separate episodes <laughs> because I was up for jobs with people who were involved <laughs> in, in the episode. You can go back and see if you yeah. can figure out which one those were. I didn't yeah. get either of those jobs, but yeah. um, no, I, I I you know my 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 whole philosophy is and it's interesting we've been doing this the last five years while every white boy i have i know has been you know saying you can't say anything anymore and you know people are going to get you and all that stuff and my whole philosophy uh with that thing has been essentially uh i think i'm coming from the right place if i'm not coming from the right place uh i think the people who care about me will check me and uh, furthermore, if I'm not coming from the right, if I'm not saying the right thing and it comes out the wrong way, or basically if I say the wrong thing, then I fucking probably deserve what's coming to me. So I'm doing my best at all times. No, really, I feel that I way. Heard, yeah. So I'm doing my best at all times to kind of like, you know, be a sensitive, empathetic person. I think I've done a good job at that. And, you know, I, I, I I've never had that feeling that I feel is pervasive in, you know, conversations that white boys have with each other which is they're gonna get you for something i don't know man i mean like i yeah i don't I, maybe if you say shit i think that i mean outside of you know uh a couple instances where you know it might have had a professional effect on uh well on kenny specifically i don't think i really have any regrets about opinions that i've had i mean i i think that speaking you know, sort of doubling down on what kenny's saying you know, we're smart guys, I think. And I don't think that we've ever sort of stuck our neck out or or defended something indefensible. Um, I think that, uh, you know, if I had a regret, it's and this is such a this is such a stupid, perhaps regret, but 
uh, I, <laughs> I kind of wish that um, we had planned out when we were going to do certain movies when, because I do feel like over the course of the five years, I look back on our first year and some of the movies we covered and I love those movies, but I feel like I wish that we got to kind of reappraise some of them a little bit. Go is a perfect example of that, Kenny, where I'm like, I feel like I was kind of harsh on go. I feel like at the beginning I was trying to prove something, I guess maybe. And was just sort of, and and there's certain movies that I feel like in that early batch, I mean, Ripley's one of those, you know, there was a fourth movie we ever covered. And I think that if I could do it again, I, I probably would have, you know, maybe done Ripley a little later, but then I also wonder if I'd feel as I feel about Ripley now, if I, if we hadn't done it. So like, there's just things that, you know, but overall, I don't think that I, I mean, maybe I'll eat my words, but I'm, I feel pretty good about what we've, what we've accomplished. The the one episode I wish you'd done a retake on was American beauty. Like, I feel like the, the spacey of it all eventually like made that, you know, I, I feel like he needed to revisit it on some level, but I think I, I agree. Yeah. I agree. I'll say this about that. And that is, that is a good, that is probably the one perhaps that was worth a reappraisal if for no other reason than I would have liked to have had a guest on perhaps for sort of a redux of that movie and been able to kind of um, interrogate it in a, in a slightly different way. I, I think that I don't think that Kenny or I, I certainly don't think Kenny would, and I wouldn't either uh, change our opinions about the film. You know what I mean? I think, I think my opinion about the film is the same now as it was back then, but I don't know about you, Kenny. No, I, I, there, there. Just I read, or I didn't read. I don't read, as everyone knows. But I listened to Chuck Klosterman's um book on tape, the '90s, and he has a section on American Beauty. And to me, there's a little like revisionist, revisionist history, which is his take on it. Was everyone hates American Beauty now, but really, it's not so bad. Um, and my feeling is, really, it is so bad, <laughs> and and uh. I don't want to like, I, I truly don't want to go back there. And it, like, it has almost nothing to do with Kevin Spacey. Like I, I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't have a real like firm feeling on where the line is in terms of movies. I'll watch and movies. I won't watch with bad people. Sure. Um, in fact, like I have, I, I, it's just a lot. I pretty much have no line. Uh, so it's not really about him so much. It, when we did the podcast, in fact, I like that we did it before the allegations came out because it was pure. I mean, it was pure. We were, we, we, yeah, we, we, yeah. we didn't get on that podcast and say, well, this guy's a rapist and we can't watch his movies anymore. We totally took the movie, you know, on its merits, which I think there are almost none. And, uh, and 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 crushed it for for artistic I, reasons. Well, I mean, I, I not not to not to turn this into a relitigation of of American Beauty. Uh, I'll say this though: uh, the 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 next and last episode of this of this podcast is uh, Kenny and I doing our best of 1999, where we you know rank our top 25 films. We do all the Oscar nominations. We do a bunch of nominations of our own. Um, and American Beauty doesn't really figure particularly uh, in in those awards, not to spoil it. But I, I think there's a reason for that. And I think it's because after you've watched 98% of the films made in 1999, um, you realize that there's a lot of better movies out there. Um, and I, I think that 
Kenny says something on that episode that I'm going to reiterate here, but I, I think that um, if you have a hard time finding, say, five great female performances in 1999, it's because you haven't seen enough fucking movies. And we should all do our best to watch more movies if we're in the critical community at the very least or in the academy you know you should do you should do better if and you're, if you're the kind of person that has a that 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 has an opinion uh professionally or uh unprofessionally but if you're gonna put your opinion out there yeah you have to watch more movies you can't just say there haven't been enough performances that are worthy of merit this year it's just i don't think that's true for any year yeah I, and and I you know so I would I would say that you know uh, if I had a it, this is no regret but you know I, I wish that that there were six hundred movies made in nineteen ninety nine so Kenny and I could do another five years but you know what are you gonna do? Wow, that's sweet. Actually, if you start incorporating stuff from like India, you could probably get there. You could make it happen. <laughs> yeah, there are there are at least there happen. are at least six French films that Daniel Waters put on his top ten list yeah. that we haven't done. But exactly, uh, Emily, you were you were like gonna gonna come in in that conversation. I I you know if I have one regret on this podcast, it's that I I used the wrong name for so much of it. It's so weird that I like gave yeah. people a different name. I feel like my character arc on this show has been really satisfying. <laughs> like you know I I, I came in. I, you know, I, I married a fan favorite of the other guests, <laughs> you know, I transitioned. Now I have a baby. Like, it's really yeah. just a great arc for a character. And I'm glad that I got to experience that. So are we. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I have, this, I have this podcast, a wrestling podcast that I used to listen to. Uh, I used to listen to it, you know, every week when I was super into wrestling, like seven, eight years ago. And now I listen to it like once a year or twice a year when they do their year end awards, which I always like. And I've skipped a few years. And the 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 second guy on the show is this guy named Trey. And about seven years ago, he was divorced. He was like, I don't I don't want to be too mean, but he was kind of like it seemed like he was kind of living in his car almost. He had a really shitty job. He like wanted to get into wrestling in a manage manager role. He had like a daughter. He didn't see that much. Like it was just kind of like a rough situation for him. And like I checked in like a year ago and he's like remarried, has a great job, is like a big part of this like independent wrestling company that like has like some cachet down there like. It was nice. It's like, oh, Trey, you made it. It was great. So you're the Trey of this podcast. <laughs> I am the Trey of this podcast. <laughs> I, mean, I will say, though, just because it's worth it's worth saying uh, again, not only is your arc tremendous, Emily, but it I mean, <laughs> truly, I, I mean, I think I speak for Kenny when I say that, you know, we're, we're so thankful that we can call you a friend that you've done this podcast with us, not just this episode, but just in general. Um, you know, you're you're obviously no one's going to come close to you on 1999 in terms of the amount of episodes. Uh, and and just it, this was first of all, you doing this particular episode was a blast. This was you, so much fun. This was a gift. And you, you were like yeah. the best possible McLovin. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> I, I blew I blew you to a kiss. I forgot to blow it, so I kind of just like threw it at you. I hope yeah, you like it. Fine. That's fine. We caught it. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So thank you to my guests for appearing on the show today. Uh, uh, Phil, do you have anything you want to plug? <laughs> Uh, podcast like it's 1992 will be starting up in February. Uh, there's also a, a Patreon that will be starting up in February as well. Details forthcoming. Um, and uh, yeah, and I can't wait for, you know, for Kenny to come on and talk about uh, White Men Can't Jump. It's gonna be great. Can't wait either. Uh, Kenny, do you have anything you want to plug? 
Not anymore. Step Up got canceled two days ago. <laughs> uh, uh, Maybe a new uh, show. Hey, yeah, always, we, uh, always doing stuff. I also well, just want to say, too, that, you know, this this podcast uh, has been a gift in so many ways. But the relationships that we've built, Kenny and I are currently, you know, we're developing a show with two guests. Uh, you know, the, the you know, Emily, you and I are going to be podcasting together uh again it's just i i I can't thank our listeners enough i can't thank you emily enough for doing this episode but just in general uh it's been it's been a wild ride it's been uh, it's been pretty crazy i can't uh, can't believe that we actually did this and 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 just i i i you know kenny and i went to nate now's one day and said we should do a podcast and five years later we you know we did it it's a crazy thing Uh, we did it Well, uh, you don't need to hear any of my information because I'm here every week. Thank you, everybody, for listening to podcasts like it's 1999. uh, And there will be a new episode tomorrow, correct? There will be. There will be a new episode tomorrow for all the listeners out there who are listening to this uh, concurrently. If you're listening to this in like 2041, (laughs) I hope you're all still alive there. Thank you so much, everybody. (laughs) Goodbye. Thank you, Emily. This was a blast. Bye, guys. Thanks, Emily. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.